I don't know what day it is. the Negative World Podcast, a podcast about video games by the Nintendo fans at negativeworld.org. This is episode 43, and we are recording this on Saturday, January 26th, 2013. I'm your host, Steven, or as I'm known on the boards, Dr. Finkelstein. And with us is also my co-host... Hey, this is Joe, and on the boards, people call me Ninsage. And our special guest today, having just gotten in from hanging with Little Nemo in Slumberland. This is Andrew, also known as Zero. And uh, thank you, uh, Andrew, for joining us today. You're welcome. We've uh, we've got some now playing to get through, and then we're going to be talking about the Nintendo Direct that happened this week. Which was like, what, Wednesday? I don't know. Time's flying, but not fast enough now that we know what's coming. But alright, guys. So, uh, Andrew, do you want to go first and uh, tell us what you've been playing, man? Um... One of the games that I have just started playing is The Cave. This is a Wii U eShop game. And really, I think it's the first one that's been released since the launch. I'm not totally sure on this, but I think there was like five at launch and then months with nothing. I believe this is the first one that's been released since then. Um, it's It's... By the, I think, Ron Gilbert, who's done, like, Maniac Mansion and some of these other old adventure games. I haven't actually played any of those, so I can't really talk about that. But it's basically, it's like a 2D puzzle game. So you're running around in this cave, and you get to pick three characters out of a group of seven. It's actually eight, because one of them's twins, but, like, seven playable characters, and you go into this cave, and each of your characters has some, like, dark secret that you don't know anything about yet, although you could kind of pick up hints as you go along. But you, you just have to solve puzzles together, and, you know, a lot of it's kind of like find the right item to do the right thing. Nothing's been too complicated so far. Um, and then there's each character has their own world and I've only done one of those so far I did the twins and that's where you learn like the really sinister past and it's kind of disturbing actually in a way it's like a comedy game so it's like a dark comedy I guess but I don't want to give away what what the twins actually do although by the time you get to it you kind of already know what's coming but it's pretty dark and to actually have to do that like to actually play that out as as the twins is is kind of strange actually I, it felt a little disturbing. I'm like, I don't really want to do this, but but I have to do this to to fulfill the story. So you mean um, like what the twins are doing in the game, or is it that you discover their past and it's kind of makes them anti-heroes? Something you don't want to root for so much. I I think it's sup- supposed to be their past, and the game's pretty clear from the start that none of these characters are heroes. Like they all have like some darkness motivations and such. Yeah, although it, one thing I, I forgot to mention, the the narrator of the game is the cave itself. It's like a sentient right. cave. The trailer kind of, or one of the trailers anyway, hinted at that. It felt kind of um, almost Nightmare Before Christmas-ish. 
Not that that had a narrator who was a cave, but uh, just in that whimsical sense. I could see that. Yeah, I could see that. It's it's very whimsical. It's it's very. He's saying all these dark things, but he has this like sarcastic or ironic tone in his voice a lot. And you know, you could tell to him it's just it's it's kind of a game or a joke or or something. You know, like he's he doesn't he's not disturbed by all this bad stuff going on. He he's having fun with it. <laughs> you know, the cave. And so it, it kind of also tries to explore, like, you know, there's all these characters that have a dark secret, but maybe you, the player, also has a dark secret, you know. And I don't know if that's going to actually work into the story or not, or if that's just, you know, the game's dialogue messing with you. But, yeah, it's it's very, like, fun, and it's like a cave, but it, it, you can find anything down there, really. It's like it doesn't... It's not stuck in like real world, like you're in a cave the whole time. Like with the twins, I ended up in a, a huge mansion that is supposedly underground in this cave somewhere. But mm-hmm. I mean, you look up and there's no top. It's just like the the London night sky or whatever. So I think it's fun. It's creative. There's there's a, a nice sense of comedy. The the cave itself, the the narrator is really fun, and he has this this fun stuff to say all the time. I do think it's it has some flaws. Like one issue for me was that some of the puzzles, and maybe once you know this, now that I know this, it's going to be easier. But I already had to cheat twice to solve two puzzles that I just was like, I have no idea what I'm supposed to do here. And both times it turned out I was supposed to be doing something where I would have had to switch the camera off of the character I was currently on to understand what I was supposed to be doing. And that was a little confusing to me because the game itself doesn't really explain that that's going to happen. And I mean, maybe I, maybe you should just know that I have three characters. I'm going to some, you know, I'm going to have to to switch between them, but there's no like hints, I guess, you know, Mm -hmm. it doesn't feel like it, it leads you. Like I think a good puzzle game or like, you know, like a, you know, like a Nintendo game would usually maybe at least point you in that direction, give you a sense that like, Yes, you're doing something with this character, but something else is also going to have to happen somewhere else. Right. You know, at least hint it. So I so got confused on a couple. Are you supposed that? to be? Are you supposed to be? Um, like, do you play as all the characters in one in one go through? Because you said something about like you know, you if you play as a certain character, then you start learning more about their past. But like to get through the game. Do you have constant access to every character, and are you supposed to like maneuver them all through the whole game, or or do you pick a couple and focus on them, or how does that divvy well, up? Well, at the beginning of the game, you pick three, so three of your characters, and the twins count as one character. So out of the seven total, you pick three, and I'm not super far into the game, so I can't really say for sure exactly how it all plays out, but. For the first hour or so, it was just exploring the cave all together. So you you switch between the characters. You might have to solve a puzzle where one's standing on, you know, this plat. You know, there's one of the the sort of like scale type platforms where like if you stand on one side, the other side goes up. Mm -hmm. And so you have to like put the characters on in the right way to get the mine cart to where you want it to be. So you're solving puzzles with them together and you switch between them. But then with the twins... I went into the house, and that was just the twins. They're the only ones who go into the house. So then the twins had to solve their own, like this was their past, I guess, and they had to solve it themselves. 
you do have to use the other characters on the outside a little bit to do some stuff, but for that part, which maybe took about an hour for me, although mostly that's because I got stuck, I think you could probably do it in like 10 minutes, but that part, it's like 95% just the twins. So I think it switches back. Like If you're in that character's specific area, then it's going to be mostly that character probably, whereas the Uh rest of the game, you're switching between the three more often. So in that regard, then, by choosing a different set of three at the start, you'll probably get different experiences replaying the game and different I areas. Think you, I think you do as far as you, you get to... You definitely unlock different areas specific to these characters, but one complaint I have seen in reviews is that the rest of the game doesn't really change that much, so you still have to go through and do these puzzles that you've already done before. Right. And each character has their own power, but as far as like solving the the puzzles when it's all three together your power usually doesn't work into that that much it's really like any of the three characters could solve it which makes sense because they don't know what group of characters you're coming in with sure and it's hard to make a puzzle that utilizes unique powers when you might not have that character and that power so i think the powers come into play more in the individual stages though i mean in theory, they could design the game around, say, uh, a certain few characters have different but similar powers, or maybe the room is designed to work. Like, say you need a, a, something to fall so maybe a door will rise when, when the weight falls into, you know, you can use either a fire power to burn away the ledge, or maybe you can use, like, a telekinesis to throw something to break break the little stick that's holding it up, you know. So uh. they could have the same puzzle that can be solved in different ways so that you can go through it with different people. I, I think I think that could have been done. I don't think that it was that much. There were there were a couple little cases where, like for instance, one of my characters' powers is she's a time traveler, and her power is basically that she could teleport about I don't know, ten feet game feet, you know, in front of her. So I was able to get past like a gate with her. That if I didn't have her on my team, I'm not sure exactly how I would have had to get past it. Probably some other way. Mm-hmm. So there's a little bit of that, but. That's really like in my two hours of playing, that's like the one time where like someone's specific power seemed to be able to do something that I I don't know what I would have had to do otherwise if I didn't have that person on my team. Mm-hmm. So, so yeah, that's, I mean, that's, that's that game. I'm not, unless you guys have questions, I'm not sure what else more I have to say about it. Well, based on, you know, what you've, you're the time you spent with it, which hasn't been that long, but do you feel that it's worth the $15? You know, installation fee. I that's that's always a hard question for me to answer, especially when I'm writing reviews and stuff, because everyone Subjective. has a different idea of what right. fifteen dollars is worth. Like, I don't regret it. I think it's a fun game. I think it has some flaws. Some of them, maybe I'll get more used to. Like now that I have a better sense of how you might have to switch the camera off of a character that you think you're supposed to be on, or I might be be a little better at solving these puzzles. Um, one other flaw which really annoyed me at first, although I kind of got used to it, is the frame rate is bad. It's like noticeably once you start moving, it's like almost it almost gave me motion sickness. It's really not good, not a good frame rate. Why do you think that is then? Is it are the graphics that crazy intricate that the Wii U can't even handle that, or is it just maybe it's not I- an optimized game? You think? I, I I just think maybe it wasn't optimized, and and I've heard it's having the same problems on the other systems, so it's not just a Wii U issue. So I'm not sure, but it doesn't seem to me like it should 
should be running that intensively. Like, there's no... I mean, I just played Trine, too, which looks a lot better and has more physics-based stuff, so there would be more, you know, processing to use there. And that ran really smooth on my Wii U. This game, the graphics are a little less, you know, detailed, and there's there's not that much, like, with physics or anything. So I'm really not sure why. I think it's just it wasn't it wasn't programmed, ideally, or something like that. Yeah. Maybe a patch can fix it later, somehow. Maybe. I mean, it... I got used to it, so now I just pop it in and I don't even think about it. But it definitely, it's really, and when I first started playing it, not only was it, like, choppy, but you walk into the cave and it's really dark in the cave. So it's like, it's it's dark, you already can barely see, and then everything's kind of a little choppy when you're moving around. It was almost hard to really, like, see what I was doing, like, see the environments, you know. Mm-hmm. But But I got used to it, so... So, I mean, I would I would recommend it, yeah, especially if someone's sitting here and they're like, what do I have to play on my Wii U, all the launch games, I've, I'm done, and now I have to wait months for, for something new. Like, it's a fun game. It kind of reminds me almost like Zack and Wiki in the sense that there's, like, a bunch of different items and you're just going to have to find the right one to do the right task. Yeah, I, I like it. All right, cool. It looks like a fun game. looks like one I would absolutely check out it looks very atmospheric and kind of spooky as you were talking about yeah it definitely has its own vibe too it's i I, like i said i haven't played ron gilbert games so i don't really know what i'm comparing it to but it has its own like feel like this whole dark comedy sarcastic announcer but there's there is like really dark stuff going on if you pick the twins like i did it's gonna have you doing something pretty, pretty not good. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. You're gonna be, you're gonna have to act out a pretty, pretty disturbing scenario. But it's it's comedy too, so it's it's not like it didn't make me feel like God of War does when you have to like brutally murder some woman in a gear or something just to to keep moving forward. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, uh, so what else have you been playing? Um, I guess the other game I, I would like to talk about most is Fluidity Spin Cycle. And the first Fluidity was on WiiWare. I think it was one of the best games on that service. Easily? Yes. You you agree? Oh, yeah. It took, me, like- it took me like over a year to finally get it. But when I did, I played that just pretty much nonstop. It was so much fun. Yeah, and I feel like it's one of these games that probably should have been bigger than it was or mm-hmm. i mean it's it's one of the the best games on the service it's it got really good reviews it's basically it's a metroid game almost it really is it's like a metroid game only you're you're this puddle of water and you're moving around and you're getting new power-ups that let you explore new areas and it's just set up really well but that that was the first game and everybody should go play that if they haven't this is the sequel on the 3DS, and immediately there's some changes. Mm-hmm. So it's not a Metroid-type game anymore. Now there's individual stages. Really? And yeah. within each stage, there's still a little bit of like non-linear progression. It's not like start at the beginning of a stage and get to an end point. It's like you're still going back and forth, you know, opening gates, going around, getting some power up that lets you go to another part. So... It still has that, but it's it's more compact. It's like it's a, within a, an individual stage. There's no big overarching world. 
You're not going to stumble upon some area you didn't even know existed. You know, it's pretty it's pretty compact. Would would you say that that makes it a better game because it's more concise and you don't have to spend so much time traversing the land trying to get back to what you want to do or to go to a new area? Or do you feel that it takes away from the game and allows you to not discover that whole section of panels that you didn't even realize you could get to now that you could turn into a cloud, you know? I think that for my taste, it's a bit of a step backwards. Yeah, it sounds like it for me too. But what I also think is that now that I'm playing it more and I'm really getting into it, I'm kind. I kind of don't care anymore. It's like at first I was like sad. I was like, this. It used to be like a Metroid game. Now there's just stages, and it, that's to me like a big step backwards. Metroid type progression is like one of my favorite things in video games. So to to take that away and just have stages, that to me was a step backwards. But like once I played it more, I'm like, you know, it's still like super fun. It's still very creative. It has you doing all kinds of things more than you think you would be doing with this this little puddle of water. You, all these different power ups. There's platforming involved. There's solving puzzles. It's still a really good game, and that's what's really hitting me now. I'm getting further into it. I'm like. I think I'm getting past my initial disappointment. I'm like, you know, this is still a really good game. This is probably one of the best, like, 3DS downloads I've played, you know, when I really get into it. But I do kind of miss the Metroid-type progression, and there's a couple other things that I think maybe it's stepped backwards a bit, too. Like, the controls, they're just a little weird to me. They use, like, actual buttons on the touchscreen for some things. Like, and they're really big buttons, so it's hard to miss them. But I kind of feel like, well, why can't I just use the buttons on the 3DS? You know, like, why do I need touchscreen buttons, which I have to move my fingers off of where they're, they're already at to press these buttons instead of just pressing, you for, know. For the pure movement, do you use the joystick, the D-pad, or do you tilt? You do tilt. And I think maybe one of the reasons why they went with these touchscreen buttons, although I this still is an issue, is... Not only do you tilt, but there's stages that have you tilting like completely upside down. Mm-hmm. So you have to turn the 3DS like upside down. And those are, I got used to them, but those are, I don't think I like those stages as much as the other ones. So there's quite a few of them? There's a lot of them, actually. I'd, I'd say they make up probably like 30 to 40% of the game. Wow. Because that kind of was a turnoff for me, too, from watching the trailer, because I haven't picked this one up due to hesitations like that. And it it does seem awkward if you're trying to tilt on a certain axis, but then you have to turn the whole kind of clunky 3DS around and the the top hinge or the hinge that connects the top and the bottom half. The top half is a little bit looser, you know, because it's not as rigid. It's not meant to be. So you can't even, like, grab it like that. It I don't know. It just it seemed really weird to me. It kind of turned me off from picking this one up. It is a little weird. There, there's ways around it. Guillaume actually pointed out that... Like, why flip it upside down? If you just tilt it forward, you get the same effect. And that does work, and that's usually how I do it now. And then you, what, like, lean forward as well so you can see it still? or Kind of, but you don't even have to tilt it that far forward. It's probably using the bottom, the bo- right? The bottom well, is yeah, where the probably gyro where the gyro sensor would so, be. So if you think of how the 3DS is, there's the bottom and then, like, an angle and then the top. So right. you don't even have to tilt the top, like, flat. Like, you could tilt it. I don't even think it gets flat. It's still kind of angling to you, but the bottom is now tilting the other way. Do you know what I mean? Right. Yeah, I'm I'm messing with mine right now. That would work pretty easily, especially if you kept 
if you kind of kept the lid closed or like at a 90 degree angle when you were tilting it, you could be able to see it really well still. Can you, know, if you, just can kinda, you keep it at a 90 degree angle though? Yeah. I mean, if the weight of it's going to kind of make it fall down, but you could still just, uh, oh. you know, tilt it up and then, and yeah, you can keep it a, a good eye level. I guess that would work, be a, a workaround. It sounds kind of annoying to still have to do that, but. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's like one of these things where at first, I, I mean, I, there was never a point where I didn't like this game, but there was a point in the first like five, six stages or something where I was like, you know, I kind of wish this was just like the old one instead of these changes. Like the control changes are weird. The upside down is a little weird. The, you know, not being Metro is a little weird. But once I got further into it, I was like, this is still a really good game. And it has a lot of creative ideas. And I, I even think, although I probably would still prefer the Metroid, that for the 3DS, these compact stages, they probably work better if you're actually playing on the go. Right, like it's when a more bite-sized experience. Yeah, like when I play on the go, I could say, I'm just going to knock out one stage. You know, like I'm going to knock out one stage. When I'm sitting here at home, playing at home, then I'm like, well, now is when I wish it was more Metroid-like. But on right. the go, I think it, it's probably better to... And that's probably why they made that shift because that's what these handheld systems are for is to play on the go. Between train stops, according to Miyamoto. <laughs> yeah. What about... Uh, it looks like this game has like uh, more like anthropomorphized characters. Like Instead of just a big puddle of water, it's like little drops with eyes and such. Oh, yeah. It, it's, it adds a kind of story. I don't know that this adds much to the game, but there's a story now where you're an actual water sprite and you have to save the the female water sprite at the end of each stage, which that whole cliche is kind of overdone to me. It's like we already did that with Super Mario, saving the princess like 8,000 times. You save the female sprite at the end of each stage? Yeah. She's so based- are there like many, many female sprites or... <laughs> Do they just? Or she keeps getting captured again. I'm not. Wow. It, they don't. I don't think they really explain that very well. I don't think it's supposed to be a bunch of different females. I think it's the same one, and you just keep on saving her each stage. So she's kind of Yeah, she's usually behind a gate or something at the start, and sometimes it will even be like right next to you. But obviously, you can't open it yet, and you have to figure out how to get through the stage and eventually open the gate, and then you can save her. Mm. Yeah, that's a shame because if you're if you're gonna add that extra layer of of meaning to the game, then you should probably have it actually, um, you know, be for a reason, like <laughs> something people would care about. And- yeah, it, it really it actually does seem odd. To, I, maybe they just wanted a character to put a face on the game or something right. like that. Because I don't, the story adds nothing really. It's it's basically just save this this other sprite over and over. There's no sh- real cutscene stories, or I, I mean, there might have been at the beginning, but there's no yeah. like deep story or anything. And I'm sure that's what they were thinking. But I think like wasn't one of the things people liked <clears throat> about the original was that it was sort of um, abstract in that sense. You know, that they, it wasn't just a typical like oh, you rescue a princess and. It might have been. I the original had a story too. I forget what the story was. <laughs> Like you, the ink, you, the ink blot, or like the dark ink, just kind of was taking over um, the land, and and you had to collect rain, rainbow drops so that way the whatever essence or whatever was in control could be powerful enough to 
demolish it or something like that. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess it, I guess it already did have this story. So adding a story was nothing new, but it they add the, you're a character now, and I don't think that adds much. I don't think it takes away really either, but it's it's just sort of okay. Why they do this? It doesn't change much. Mm-hmm. But well, uh, anything else you want to add, or any other games you've been playing? I think I've been talking a little too much about games I've been playing, but just real quick, I, I did finish Liberation Maiden, which I know you were talking about before, so I'm not going to get into it, but I did enjoy it. I thought it was a bit short for the price tag, and there there is some replay, but not enough for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I do see the connection to Zone of the Enders 2. Like, that's one of my favorite PS2 games like ever, and I don't think this game's quite as good, but I definitely see that they're the same type of genre and they have a similar feel. So I would agree with that. And that's basically all I have to say about that. And I've also been playing a ton of Xenoblade lately, getting back into it again. Yeah, Uh, I need to do that myself. (laughs) I've been playing that game in like two or three spurts, well, probably like three spurts of maybe three weeks where I was just into it so, so hardcore. And I'm currently out of it, but I need to get back in and finish it. I never really stopped being into it. It's just other stuff came up. Like I, I bought it like last summer, and then I was started and got pretty far into it. And then we did like backlog is yeah, and that's what I mean October, too. October and Wii U came out, and of course I'm gonna play Wii U games when it just comes out. So yeah, yeah a billion things came up, but now I'm getting back into it. Yeah, nothing's turned me off from the game or anything. It's just that other things have come up and. Uh... I actually do feel like I enjoy it more when I take some breaks, though. It's so engrossing, but it's, like, too engrossing. It's like it can consume your life if you let it. Mm-hmm. It's it's good to get some time away from it and come back fresh. But, I, I mean, you guys have already talked about this game a ton, and maybe we'll we'll talk about it a little more when we talk about one of our, one of our uh, games for the Nintendo Direct, the, the supposed apparent sequel. Mm-hmm. So I don't need to talk about it. Right yeah, now. Everyone knows it. Wind Waker HD sequel, right? <laughs> That's the sequel. <laughs> anyway, um, yeah, before we get into all that, uh, Joe, you've been playing some games, I'm, I'm assuming. Well, kind of. Yes and no. First of all, I, this is going to be real short. I uh, First of all, I still am in the grips of the Pokemon obsession. You're still a Pokemaniac? Yep. So I restarted Soul Silver. It's cool. I'm I'm enjoying it. I recommend the Battle Frontier for anyone who plays the Gen 4 games. It's online co-op. It's super fun. And I will say that as of yesterday, I was able to get the legendary Pokemon Keldeo via the Wi-Fi event that uh, started yesterday and I think goes through... I don't know, early February, something like that. So that's cool because I missed out on that Pokemon the first time they offered it. So I'm pretty excited about that. Um, But that's pretty much it. I'm not going to bore people with Pokemon uh, (laughs) anymore this episode. I'm sure I'll do it again. Impossibly. Next time. But um, I have, like, I've just been super busy. Uh, The uh, class I've started teaching, uh, I've been preparing a lot for that. So I haven't had a lot of time for games. But. Uh, going along with that class, since we're sort of moving chronologically uh, through the history of games, we started. Uh, we're going to be starting playing some of the like 
I guess they call it golden age arcade games. So like late, mid to late seventies arcade games. Like Wreck-It um, Ralph. <laughs> yes, like Wreck-It Ralph. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, this week we're going to be doing a little bit of a little bit of Pac-Man, some Space Invaders, and some Centipede, and some Breakout. And so I've been, you know, just sort of like playing those games for a little bit in preparation of what I'm going to say during class and stuff. And, you know, for the purposes of this podcast, I'll just say it really is amazing. Uh, first of all, you know, we always we always think when we're playing the latest games, like, wow, you know, it couldn't get any better than this. And, like, look at those <laughs> graphics and everything. And, I mean, this is what they thought, uh, what is it now, 30-some-odd years ago. And it's funny, you know, when you go from, like, Space Invaders to Pac-Man, I guess you could say, like, just based on the color palette being used and the music and everything, like, that does seem like a big leap. And it's not too hard, I guess, to uh, imagine how impressed they would have been back then and just just wanting to just feed quarters in and just get that score up and everything. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's pretty cool. I actually, down memory lane there, I guess. I actually, I read something a while back when, this was years ago when I was thinking of getting into game development, and I was doing music for, for this sort of Tetris clone these German guys were making. Okay. And, and when I say Tetris clone, I mean literally, like, they weren't trying to make a new game. They were just trying to, to make Tetris to, to prove that they could make a, you know, do it, you know, mm-hmm. to, to themselves. Mm-hmm. You know, make something, and they were basically following an outline that this developer, current developer, I don't remember who it was, but he wrote this this thing for like GameDev.net, I think, and he was like, "You are wanting to get into games, and you're probably thinking, I want to make the next Call of Duty, I want to make this." He's like, "Where you need to start is three games: Tetris, Breakout, and Pac-Man." And he said, "Make make those games." Don't mm. try to do anything new, you know, don't try to do anything new yet. Just if you can make those games, you will know 95% of what you need to know to make any game. And mm. I don't know how true that is, but he went into like it teaches you like general structures of games, like menu screens, systems, patterns, game overs. It teaches you randomness, it teaches you AI, it teaches you you know all this stuff, and like the AI in Pac-Man is pretty pretty amazing. I like when you read about it, it's like all four ghosts did their own things. It's like, and I don't remember what the roles of each ghost are, but they weren't just randomly wandering around. Like each of the ghosts actually was following a, a specific AI pattern, except I think one of them was random. So like three of them had their own AI patterns, and one of them was random. Yeah, it's kind of cool. Sorry, just to watch them sometimes because they do really kind of in a smart way box you in and do their best mm-hmm. to do so. Yeah, they box you in without it being cheap, you know, because you yeah. can make AI where they could just make you know box you in and there's nothing you could do about it. But they they it's pretty advanced. But yeah, maybe if I can find this, you might even want to look at it for your class because it's I forget the the developer, but some big modern developer wrote this thing and he's like. This is this is games like you these yeah. three old games here. He's like things really haven't changed that much. We have fancier graphics, 3D. We have you know all this stuff, but it's all based off the same mechanics. Yeah, absolutely. 
And uh, yeah, and that goes kind of hand in hand with I saw an interview with the guy who created Tetris, and he was saying how like you know the concept, you know, like the games have changed, but the human brain has not. And so the kind of things that people find interesting now, it's the same elements as what they found interesting thirty plus years ago. That's probably pretty true. So that's that's pretty much it. Uh, for me, that's basically all I've been playing. So, Mr. Finkelstein, what have you been up to? I'm up, huh? Well, okay, so I wasn't even going to say this, but I've been playing a lot of Ticket to Ride still, and I recommend everyone buy it on Steam or buy the board game. It's a lot of fun, but I won't go into that. What I've been playing that's kind of new, although I guess it's old, is I've been getting back into Paper Mario Sticker Star, and I know Andrew's played quite a bit of that. Um, did you ever finish it, Andrew? Yeah, um, I did finish it. I, I really liked it. I think there were some weird things. Like, I don't totally understand why they had to get rid of experience points. I mean, to me, at the once I finished the game, I thought this is a good game, but I don't see how it's better for removing that. But otherwise, I thought it was really good and creative, and I, I actually liked the sticker battle system. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I've been getting back into this finally, and... I definitely agree with you. The sticker thing is pretty fun, but I know there's been a lot of discussion about how battles almost don't matter, unless except for like the key ones. But yeah, I, it, and the weird thing is, I still found myself like playing a bunch of them. Like I didn't try to avoid them, but they kind of don't matter that much. They get you money, which is good, and you might pick up some stickers from them. Um, otherwise, there's really not too much that they add, other than. If do you enjoy battles? Yeah. Right, and, and the battles are fun, and the worlds are are pretty interesting. They definitely are kind of a of a certain caliber that we would expect from a Pip Mario game and from Nintendo and such. But I'm currently at a spot that gives a lot of people, you know, issue. I guess it's that third world, and I'll say it kind of slowly, just so in case anyone's not there and they don't want to hear about this, they can skip ahead. But it's the third world with the Wiggler segments. And I think that's probably, like, the first part of the game. It, hopefully there's not more like this, but it's probably, like, a big part where everyone seems to kind of, not necessarily hit a wall, but just kind of finds that it draws on and on and on, you know? And pretty much the, the premise, for those who don't know, is, you know, you have a Wiggler, a big one, and he's got a head, and he's got four segments, and he gets kind of sliced up, sort of. His his body parts, they kind of get dis thrown away uh, through the different levels, and you got to go find him. Um, so he's not just a head. And when you do, though, uh, in every instance so far, it will run away from you after you leave the level. So you finally catch in the level, then it says, oh, F you, and it just scurries off, and then you have to follow it again. So essentially, every single level in this world, you're finding a Wiggler segment, and that's kind of how it's designed. But what I find problematic with this is, one, I mean, I've just been playing it for so long now because I kind of that was where that was the wall I hit, and then I got distracted by other games. And now that I'm back in it, I'm still trying to go through it, so it just feels even extra tedious for that. But also, it does it, it diminishes the worth of actually finding these segments because okay, so what if I found one? I'm gonna have to chase them again anyway. It it just seems kind of like just filler material, and it uh, empty, I guess, is the big big word for it. So it's like you go, you find them, and then all you earn is the right to go find them again. Well, basically, you, you do it for once, a while. You do it once, one per thing. So like you'll you'll go for the first one, you'll find them. He'll scurry off to another level. You'll find them. I think he even scurries oh, off okay. to a third level, 
then finally he says, okay, I'll go with you or whatever. I think you might even battle him each time. I know you do once in a while, but mm-hmm. then he kind of is submissive and he follows you and then you return him to his head or the rest of the body parts. And then I'm assuming that once, you know, you've collected it all, he will help you get to the next world or something. But mm-hmm. it just, uh, it's just kind of annoying. It's, it's almost, I, I almost would have rather them have made Wiggler 11 segments long or something. Just so it was actually a new Wiggler and he wasn't just so annoying, you know. It's yeah, a get, subtle difference, but it would mean a lot. I, I guess when I look back in retrospect and I know how long it, it's going to take, it, it doesn't seem as bad. But while you're doing it, you don't really know when it's going to end. And that world has a lot of stages. I don't I know how many. I just 311. Yeah, so, I, well, I think you're almost done then. But yeah, I think that's, so too. That's a lot of stages for for a world in a Mario game. And plus, worlds two and one had like six or seven max. So yeah. level wise, it's almost like the first two worlds combined. So it feels so drawn out. It, it does, and I think I don't. I don't think I would have minded the Wiggler catching as much, but I think it would have been nice to just have a change of theme, like halfway through, like okay, now he's not in the woods anymore. Now he's, you know, in the sky, sky world or something. I don't know, but well, reminiscent of uh, Mario three, that would have been kind of nice. You know, world five starts off on the ground and then you go through the spire tower and then you end up in the clouds for the rest of it. Yeah. I mean, something like that. And I guess if you're worried, uh, I will say this without spoiling anything, like there's nothing else like that in the game. And none of the other worlds have like 12 stages or whatever that one had. Right. So once you get past that, I think you'll be back on track. <laughs> and I'm okay with it because now I was kind of hung up on one part. I don't even recall what hung me up the most, but a few days ago I got through it when I started playing it again. And now, even though I'm still doing this silly task, I am making my way to the next levels pretty uh, frequently. Because, like, I know that there's that section in Strike Lake where obviously you need a bowling ball, but I had no idea where you were going to get one. And I did just finally get that. And I was like, okay, cool. Now the pieces are falling together. I know what to do next, so it's not so bad that I'm doing it. I'm having fun doing it now because I'm not stressed out about, you know, how long is it going to take me to break through this puzzle. Because the game definitely doesn't spell it out for you sometimes. Uh, I mean, obviously, bowling ball or bowling pin wall equals bowling ball, except it doesn't spell it out to you at all where you'd go looking for one. You know, it could be in another world even. That that is one part of the game that was tough to me at times is is you you kind of have a sense of what you were supposed to do and even what item you might need, but you just have no idea where it was. And if you already passed where it was, then you're sort of sitting there like, am I supposed to be moving forward somehow, or mm-hmm. do I have to backtrack? And where where am I supposed to backtrack to? So that that was kind of one of the parts of the games that maybe I didn't like as much, but. Then again, you know, so this is a frustrating thing, but I don't want to crap on the game entirely because it is a really fun game still, and I I love the world of Paper Mario, just the aesthetic and kind of the the style of humor that the game's, like the whole series has had. I can't wait for the next Paper Mario. I In, tr- in traditional Nintendo fashion with me, they always do something different in some respect, and then I end up, whether I, whether I like it or kind of dislike it, I appreciate it for what it is, and then I can't wait to go back to the old one, and then after that one, I kind of want to go back to the new one again. And I, I do like them constantly changing things up within their franchises. Yeah. And it can be argued that maybe they don't in some instances, and it depends on what you're looking at, really. But Zelda gets shaken up, um, maybe not as much as people like, but they, they get shaken up. Uh, Metroid has gotten shaken up. 
Mario has gotten shaken up. So I'm sure if Wario Land Shake it had a sequel, it would get shaken up. <laughs> but because <laughs> it's got shake in the title. Exactly. <laughs> Thank you, Joe. Um, Wait, but, I get it. It's got shake in the title. <laughs> oh, you guys are both on the ball. <laughs> but yeah, so I'm having fun with it, despite, and I can't wait to get through this because I'm looking forward to like the next w- world or two. Or um, I, I actually just saw. I think I forgot. I think I was looking up the trailer to link it in the show notes um, for our preparation, and I saw like a video that showed Bowser. And I completely had forgotten that he was even in the game because I haven't come across him in so long. And I and there's such a gap between my my main playing segments, so I'm looking forward to coming across my. My old favorite frenemies. <laughs> frenemies. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, so I've been playing that, and unless you guys have anything else to say about it, uh, I'll move on to the other thing that I've been playing, which I've. Ugh, this is one of those games similar to Bioshock, where I just really want to go back and play, but I need a substantial amount of time to just sit down and enjoy it. And it's on Steam. Um, I don't know. I don't think it ever came out on the Wii. Uh, virtual or we wear, I guess, but it's The Walking Dead by that Telltale. Is not on any Nintendo platforms. Okay, I didn't think so, but it's on you know Xbox, right? And it's on the PlayStation and Steam, I believe, huh? Yeah. Okay. Yep. So there are means for you know for us to play it. If you don't have one of the other consoles, I recommend going to Steam and picking it up. I got all five, uh, I guess, volumes or something for twenty five or. Less than 25 I forget what I paid. It was a good deal. It was during the, the Steam holiday sale. And I started playing it finally, and it is just really engrossing. I'm, I mean, I'm a big fan of the Walking Dead series. I love the comics. I love the show. Um, I have a board game of it that I'm, I don't like as much, it's, but I won't get into that. But I do love just the world of the Walking Dead. And this game from the get-go, it just, bam, gets you just like every other main property. The story is just gripping. You don't know much about the main character when you start, but you, you still care. And the fact that you're making... Well, I'm jumping ahead of myself. So the point of the game, it's like a choose-your-own-adventure story from what I can tell so far. I've played it for about an hour total. And you... Okay, well, the game starts with you being in the back of a police car, and you're being taken, picked up for something. You don't know why. You, know, you missed your wife. It's clear that that's going on. And then you're just having a conversation with the police officer. And he's a friendly guy, for the most part. And he asks you questions, and then you have the option of choosing what answer you want and how you react. And it sounds so basic, like a choose-your-own-adventure story, except it's really gratifying to kind of answer just how you would answer. It it really allows you to, instead of, like with the books, like the Goosebumps books that I used to read when I was a kid who had Choose Your Own Adventure... It was more like, okay, what's the best answer to get me to the end of the book? Because I don't want to die, you know, by the hand of the puppet or something. But in this game, it feels more like the answers that I choose craft the world around me so much. It's not so much that it's trying to the game's trying to kill me, but it's that the game wants me to be myself and to answer as I, as I would or how I think this character would. And that changes the relationships around me. So if I do lose somebody, maybe a partner that I've teamed up with, it'll have more of a gravitas emotionally, depending on how I've been with them, or or maybe something that I said earlier in the game eventually sends them to their demise. Or so it's less about myself, I think, than it is everyone else. And the first few characters that you meet are all pretty interesting. Some of them are a little reminiscent of the show in the comic, 
uh, involving a farm and that sort of thing. But it, uh, I guess right now, just with Zombie U and with The Walking Dead show and stuff like that, that are all kind of current uh, things on the entertainment scape, it's yet another outlet for you to kind of get into the mind of a zombie apocalypse. And I don't know, I like it a lot. And it's got a great art style, too, so it's really easy to just sit there and look how pretty it is and, and play. I have, a, I have a question, though. Yeah. This is a, a game I actually want to play a lot, and I'm sort of waiting because I, I think, I with no evidence, but I think that it's going to come to the Wii U just because it seems so obvious to me. I think it would be pretty, yeah. I, I don't know if it will, but I think they're kind of silly not to. Yeah, so I'm sort of holding out on that, but if that doesn't happen within like a couple months, I'll probably just buy it on PS3 and, and play through it, but... I'm still confused about like what the actual gameplay is because people always talk about the story and the choices and like that's awesome and if 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 all that's good I don't even necessarily need like great gameplay but no one ever even mentions what it is at all like I don't even understand what you actually do in this game to drive it forward. Okay, um, I'm still learning that myself because like you I was very confused and that was one of the reasons I was hesitant to pick it up when I first heard about it and. So far, I've been playing, you know, with a keyboard and mouse, and I've been moving with the WASD key, or I can use the arrow keys, and then I have my mouse. And, I mean, this is kind of spoilers for the for the start of the game, but I'll go with, like, the very first action moment, so it doesn't even really matter. But what happens is eventually that car, police car that you're in crashes, and so that kind of frees you up from your, you know, being in captivity thing. But you don't know why the hell it crashed, you don't know... Uh, well, I guess you kind of know, but your character himself doesn't understand why what just happened happened. And you currently have your handcuffs on still, and you are just kind of walking around this little forest area where the car crashed. And suddenly, the police officer that you knew, he he is dead on the ground, and you don't assume anything. Uh, of course, as the gamer, you know ahead of time that something is going on. He's and, a zombie. Yeah, so he he ends up being a little bit of a zombie. And he starts crawling towards you. He's not, a, you know, he's not a big threat or anything. But what you've got to do, you've got to try to click on, like, like there's a shotgun nearby, so you try to click on that. And, I mean, the game itself has a lot of little contextual little bubbles that you can click on to either look at things, speak to things, pick up things, interact, etc. But there's one spot, like, I managed to get the shotgun and, and some shells. I guess I did things in the right order. I, I don't know how this would have played out if I didn't find the, the shotgun shells before the shotgun. But... Um, so he's like crawling at you and you've got to click on the shotgun to load the shotgun. Then you have to use the mouse to kind of aim at his head or whatever, but he's kind of grabbed your foot and maybe I'm mixing some action scenes together, but you know, say he grabs your foot, then you have this like plus cursor, like this giant plus cursor on the screen. And there's a foot icon in one of the four directions and you've got to move the mouse. So that way, uh, that foot icon matches over the head and then you click to like kick him in the head. And now that sounds very basic. It's not like it's going to take a lot of skill, but in the moment, it's very tense, and you've got to do it quickly because if you don't, like certain um, conversation choices too, a, a character will ask you a question, and you have like very few seconds to answer. That little bar just kind of shrinks really quick, and you you may not get to say what you want to say, or I have no idea what happens actually if you say nothing. But maybe it'll cause a character to dis- to distrust you. So in that same sense, you have very limited time to you know kick them in the head or whatever. Um, a short time later, I ended up using a hammer to bash someone's brains in. And, uh, again, it was the same kind of very physical threat. 
and I just had to keep moving that cursor, and the, the cursor would change. It wouldn't always be in the same spot, so I had to kind of adjust depending on the situation. And uh, So it, it's very few clicking and just aiming. It, it's not very intense in the sense of, like, you know, a first-person shooter or something like that. Now, is this, like, a full 3D game with, like, a 3D camera, or are there set set camera views? Because, like, the only Telltale game I've played is is these Strong Bad games, and they, that's immediately what pops to mind when I think Telltale. And I know they've done a billion similar games, too, like those point-and-click where, like, it might be 3D, but you're always kind of from a side view or something like that. Mm-hmm. Well, I haven't played like the strong bad game or anything so I don't know how it relates to that but the camera is in a fixed position and changes depending on where your character moves with with the arrow keys I've been able to move him say around a house or around a backyard and it is kind of awkward because the camera's not always on a grid so you have to kind of hold like up and left to go diagonally which is the which is what would be straight for like that hallway but you do move, and then you know the camera will will either follow you or it'll cut. It just depends on the situation. Yeah. So it's not like it's a full 3D camera. You can't move the camera how you would in a Mario game or anything like that. You can't zoom in on something just because you want to. It is very fixed and almost like a Resident Evil type. Uh, like maybe style. like Colveraca. Have you played that game? No. Oh, okay. that, that I think that's the one that sort of it's sort of an in between game to me when I think of the camera because it. It's fixed, but it also follows you more, whereas, like, the games before that, it was right. completely fixed. Right, yeah. Like, with Resident Evil, it is just almost like they're security cams, you know what I mean? But in this one, it will shift with you uh, yeah. until maybe it hits a wall or until you, like, are, are... Like, on the farm that you eventually get to, there's kind of this... You see the front of it, you see, like, a guy working on a truck, you see the farm in the background, but on the side of the house, there's some people working on a protective fence. So you can walk over there, but eventually when you get about halfway through, then it cuts, and then suddenly you're in the backyard of the of the place. And then that kind of shifts with you and follows you, depending on if you want to go over to a workbench or if you want to go over to a tractor. And then even then, um, it might cut again once you get really close to another kind of contextual spot. So I guess it, it's like a level of detail. So the farm itself, you don't have that many places or things to choose from, but as you get closer to where some characters are, there's a lot more little buttons or circles you might want to click on to interact with them so it'll kind of cut you, zoom in, you know, something like that. Yeah. That actually sounds a lot like the, the Cold Veronica camera, which I thought was kind of cool. And then, like, with Resident Evil Zero, they went kind of backwards again, which was weird, but this isn't about Resident Evil. No. So. Um, so I guess to sum up my thoughts on the game so far, while the gameplay is lacking in the sense of, you know, button mashing and, and dodging bullets and things like that, it is still just such an engrossing story. Kind of like how Thomas Was Alone was pretty basic platforming for me, but the story itself just gripped me enough to where it was like suddenly worth my money. It was just... It, it's an interactive story for sure. Both games are. It seems to be more fleshed out for sure. Yeah. Than, than Thomas Was Alone or anything like that. There's there's a lot more going on. And one last thing I'll say about it before, we, uh, before I just shut up is um, the game... You can do like two modes. There's one where it'll show you hints... And other and another mode where it shows you nothing, and the hints are more like like when I spoke with this little girl character. I mean, I just met her for the first time. She has no reason to trust me, etc. And my choices kind of invoked a reaction out of her, and so a little bot pop up showed up that said she will remember that or something like that because I was sympathetic to her needs as instead of going after my own 
uh, desires. Or when you meet Herschel at the farm, and anyone who, who has ever done anything with The Walking Dead should know who that character is. When you meet him, you kind of, he, you know, he grills you about who you, who you are and how you're related to the girl and everything. And, like, my answer that I chose when he asked me a question, it then said, Herschel kind of distrusts, or distrusts you or isn't quite sold on your, on, on your answer. It just implied that, you know, maybe he doesn't trust me all the way yet. And then that continued to be invoked with his demeanor towards me for the rest of that scene, so to speak. So it's cool that I, I like having him on just because it helps me realize what is what I'm doing, like what effect that has on the world. But uh, you don't have to play like that either. You can just kind of free ball it, for lack of a better term. Do you think that, I mean, obviously it probably helps to be a fan of the, the actual Walking Dead, the other s- stuff, but do you think that's important? Because I'll be honest, like, my experience with The Walking Dead is I watched the first season, I enjoyed it when I watched it, but I never really felt the need to go back. Like, it, it, it didn't grip me to where I was like, I can't wait for season two. Like, I watched the whole first season, never went back. I am interested in the comic books. I, I would read them, except my library where I read all my graphic novels doesn't have them. But it's like I'm not, like, connected to the world. You know, it's not like I, I don't feel like a strong connection to this world at the moment. Well... I guess it depends on why you didn't feel you had to go back to the show, and since you haven't read the comics, you don't have a connection to that world either. But so how the sh- uh, the game relates to me is, I think it's cool because it takes place in the Walking Dead theme, and that's cool. Just more like, hey, I know what that's about, and I know what that's about. So it's kind of cool that it relates to it, but it, it it can stand alone as long as you're into zombie lore and that sort of story, then then you'll be fine. You don't need to know who Herschel is. Um, in fact, he's not even technically the same Herschel from the comics or the show. So it's kind of a slight reimagining, and the main character uh, is not anyone you've met on the show or the comics. So, so far, nobody except for Herschel is. And, I mean, even, even Herschel's children are different in the game than they are on the comic book or the show. So it, it doesn't really relate other than the brand and the theme. While that sounds like a negative for fans of The, of the Walking Dead, it, it, enha- it, it can be enhanced if you know the references, but you don't have to at all to appreciate it. Yeah. Well, I do like zombie stuff. Uh, and even though I think the industry's getting way too overcrowded with zombie stuff, this seems like something that actually stands out. It feels pretty fresh. It is amazing how with all of the zombie noise these days, how Walking Dead seems to like rise to the top of mm-hmm. everybody's perceptions. And yeah, everyone seems I mean, to it, it, love it. it it sounds to me, and like I guess Stephen, you you'll be able to clarify this more. But even like Telltale, it's like I mean, we know it's not an action game; it's a Telltale game, and they don't really make that many action games. I think that's maybe a big part of why it stands out is because so many zombie games are like let's just like it's about the killing of the zombies, which that could be fun. Right. I love Dead Rising. I love the Resident Evil games until the recent ones or. Yeah, but it, it seems like they decided to just go a completely different route. Like, let's not make this about how many different ways you can kill a zombie. And that is that is why the show works, that is why the comic works, and that's why this game works, is because it is set under the theme and premise of a zombie apocalypse, but it's still always about the characters. And that's why this new game that we've seen a little bit of, that first-person shooter, Walking Dead, that's supposed to come out, like, in March, um, that's besides just the technical problems that that trailer had for itself. That's it, it, a first-person shooter. Walking Dead wouldn't really work without this much attention to detail to story. It would then just feel like a flat zombie bashing, whatever. I mean, Zombie U. I haven't. I still haven't gone through it 
deeply enough. But even that feels like, okay, you've got the fun of, you know, getting the zombies and everything, but there still seems to be a story. You're still very dependent on how your character is or how, how your emotional ride is through the, through the game. And, uh, and the Walking Dead series always focuses on the emotional ride, then the scares. Yeah. So yeah, I definitely would recommend it for anyone who's a fan of a good story and isn't turned off by zombies or uh, violence or gore. And there's not so much of it so far, but I mean, in the first 20 to 30 minutes, depending on how long it takes you to get adjusted to the thing, you do bash some brains in. So, it, you know, it depends. So well, would you say zombies. these games contain scenes of explicit violence and gore? Mm-hmm. Rated T for teen. Or something. I don't know what it's rated, but but yeah. So just be cautious of that. But if you can stomach it, then this is for you. Yep. Cool, cool, cool. All right. If you guys are uh, done, I'm all set. We'll take a quick break, and then when we come back, we'll discuss the big Nintendo Direct. Listeners, we're back, and we're here to talk about something as monumental as E3, which was essentially the uh, Nintendo Direct that happened the other day. And nobody really saw this coming, except for maybe 12 hours before it, and nobody was even realizing that it was going to be this huge. Um, I think you guys can all agree that we're, like, every, it, it was just so surprising. Yeah. And really, like, when I thought about this before the show, I was thinking to myself, if you are a true Nintendo fan, then you, there, there's no way you could be like, that disappointed about what was seen. You know, you must, every Nintendo fan on Earth who's a true Nintendo fan is happy right now. You know what I mean? Something got you, because they just announced so much stuff. Not necessarily new stuff, but they, they gave us updates on things. They they answered some questions that have been lingering for a while. Uh, they really did some fan service with this. And I'm True. really impressed by the company as just a corporation. For, uh, for pulling this off. Mm-hmm. So the first half of the, the discussion will go towards talking about things like Miiverse and Virtual Console and stuff like that. And the second half will go towards just games. And we'll kinda, I know there's a lot, so we'll kind of run through them you know, quick, but not too quick. I mean, if you guys have nothing to say, say so and we'll move on. But first, the first thing that... Well, and we're going to go in, in order of the Nintendo Direct. So the first thing that, that Iwata had discussed was the Miiverse. And... I know that within our own Negative World community, there's been a lot of discussion about the hand drawings that have been on, on the Miiverse and how uh, it's kind of cool that it brings out the, the artists in you to, uh, to have this service. Nintendo, it was kind of neat to see that they were even impressed, that they didn't realize that they were going to have this occur on their Twitter-like uh, service. And I guess they're going to introduce some Check Me accounts, and by that, it's more like on Twitter where you can confirm that a celebrity is a celebrity or... You know, that sort of thing, so they'll they'll do this so that way you can know that if Telltale Games is talking about, hey, you know, this is going to be on on the Wii U now, 
well, you'll know it's actually Telltale and not someone trying to pretend that they are them. I am curious, is this just for developers and in, in actual companies, or is this for the press as well? Um, you know what? They didn't go into that, although... Because you see where I'm going with this, right? We yes. need some official <laughs> Negative World uh-huh. accounts. You know, I mean, I could see that, because they... I could be crazy, but I thought they mentioned, like, Coca-Cola and, like, advertisers and stuff like that as well, so... It could be, although I really don't want to see Miiverse swamped with just, like, Burger King, this, yeah. you know, that sort of thing. But That'd be bad. They definitely want to do it for the kind of PR sections of various game companies. So gaming press, I could see it being a benefit to that, too, because they're going to allow embedding videos and links. And I wouldn't mind having, you know, uh, like, there's a video I want to watch uh, in a minute after the, well, after the podcast is done recording, the Game Explain the, like they're going through the the X the new X game or whatever and their whole trailer and anal- analysis. It'd be cool to have that kind of feed into my Miiverse. So it'd be kind of nice to have have uh, the gaming media as a part of this. I think, especially for our our benefits. At least the ones you select. Right. Yeah. I mean, they they better get that right because they could really ruin the Miiverse with this as well. <laughs> you're you're right about that. Um, but other things they're trying to do with the Miiverse is, they like in We Fit You, they want to make specific closed communities for those who want to discuss weight and health and everything without having it full of trolling people, calling people fatties and stuff like that. You know, so you can do it within your own friends. We at Negative World could have a, you know, a community just for ourselves and we could help motivate each other. And Yeah, I mean, I, that's, that is exactly the kind of thing that I had in mind even when the first Wii Fit came out. And I, I wasn't sure exactly how they would have to pull it off, and I think that this really is it. Mm-hmm. Um, because, yeah, so much of, you know, when people talk about effective weight loss and exercise, uh, people always mention, you know, having that support uh, network, you know, of your friends and family or people cheering you on. Right. But the downside is then typically, you know, you would have to, you know, like some people, like especially like if you're especially struggling with your weight, like maybe you don't want to even work out in front of people, mm-hmm. you know. So this kind of allows you to have that accountability slash cheering section, but you still are able to work out on your own. You're not fully exposed, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's really smart. And that kind of relates to what I think, uh, I don't have this in my notes, but I'm pretty sure I heard this uh, when I watched the Nintendo Direct again yesterday, um, just to make sure I, I got everything. They want to allow us to make our own communities, so we could have a Negative World community that could be um, even like a little icon on our uh, Waru Waru Plaza, or whatever it's called. You know, instead of there being Zombie U and uh, Assassin's Creed and Netflix like there is now, you'd be able to have a Negative World icon with the negative world me's and you know collaborating that would be really cool too is this this is something that's going to be possible or just you're speculating this is something that they that they want to do i'm pretty sure they want they want to allow us to make our own communities because i've been talking about that from the start that that would be pretty cool although there's also the side of me that's like well we already have the forum like how how different would this really be hey guys i'm playing mario and considering, mm-hmm. like, at least for me anyway, all my friends, besides my cousin and eventually my girlfriend, all my other friends on, on the Wii U come from the site anyway. So, yeah, maybe it wouldn't be so different in that regard. But, you know, right now we have to type 
like in a, in a daily chat thread or, or something, hey, Carlos, that was a really cool, you know, picture of Link you, you drew. Well, now we'll be able to kind of maybe even more easily say that to him right there. Something that, something that doesn't need to be brought to the forums themselves. So it could See, be a benefit. I, I, I guess be totally psyched about not having to use the forums. <laughs> well, I guess I'm, I'm thinking of this from like an, an expansion perspective, which I guess I'm always thinking about in some ways. Like, you know, to me, maybe it'd be cool if there was would somehow be a way that all of us that are part of Negative World could start representing somehow out there, and then maybe our other friends who aren't, which maybe most of us don't have that many Wii U friends that aren't already, but they'd be able to see Negative World stuff maybe or something like that. You know what I mean? Like right, get it out to more people than just who we already have without spamming. Because I know right now you can't just go on to like the Mario forum and big, hey guys, check out negativeworld.org. But maybe if it was more connected to like only your friends could see it, then you could say whatever you want or something. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure how they're going to divvy that up or... They could make the community completely locked to those who join it, you know, and that kind of defeats the purpose of what you're saying. But maybe maybe they will go into like a friends of a friend kind of thing and uh, not lock it down to the individual, but their network, their circle. Yeah. So we'll we'll see. Um, You know, one thing that's really clear, though, from this Nintendo Direct is that it makes it seem like Nintendo is watching. Like, they're watching Miiverse for comments, they're watching it for the activity, they're trying to pay attention to how it's being used, and maybe that's where all this is coming from, and the more we talk about it on podcasts, on forums, not that Miyamoto's listening to this podcast or something, <laughs> but... Uh, but do we know he isn't? That's true, we don't know, so... With Bill Razor, I think the simple answer the is that thing. he is. Uh, but yeah, so, the more we kind of bring this to light, I think they are listening, so uh, maybe, maybe that will be something they can do in the future. And one one more thing about the Miiverse, uh, and then we can probably move on from this, is they are going to bring it onto smartphones this spring in the form of a browser, like a website, but then later it's going to be into an actual app, which I really wish they would just jump to the app from the start, but uh, but still, a bookmark and an app, eh, they're not that different, I guess. But I, I'm kind of look, looking forward to being able to check the Miiverse from work, you know. Not that I yeah. use the Miiverse that much these days. But as games start to come out, and and again, as the communities start growing, it might be kind of fun. I mean, on my drive home, I mean, I'm usually uh, carpooling, so I check Twitter, you know, I just see what the hell happened that day. So it would be kind of nice to, to go into the Miiverse app and just see what the hell's happened. Well, would you be able to do something like, you know, oh, you're, uh, you're at work, and then you see, oh, a bunch of people are talking about playing this game, and uh, all of a sudden you've got like a impromptu game night that you weren't aware of that's true and that's that otherwise would have been happening where i've missed things like on our own negative world website just because i was at work while all the discussion was happening right right but that's why you're supposed to be checking negative world at work all the time if i had a proper internet connection at work i would i mean i don't like to go on the the work computers but i don't mind going on my phone but it's a big building and it kind of snuffs the 3g uh you know so I, i have a hard time getting access unless i'm at lunch so, yeah, I, I think I'd use Miiverse maybe a lot more if I could just access it on the internet, which a part of me wonders if that kind of defeats the purpose, though, to some degree, too, because then, you know, right now, Miiverse is very much about people, most people are posting in the midst of what they're playing or right. something like that, you know, like, 
they're they're using their Wii U and so they're not just it's not just a place to hang out. You know, it's very it has a very specific theme. And I think if it just became like a forum that you could just jump on any time, then instead of the posts being so game specific, it might just become another forum. You but know, the, but the way it's designed is it creates it so that these communities and everything are still game specific. You know what I mean? And I think all it would do is allow you to continue that conversation away from your Wii, and it wouldn't. I don't think it would cause. I, a lot I of guess, but I, I think what I what I envision, like right now, okay, I don't really post to Mario U unless like I'm playing the game mm-hmm. and something pops up and it's like, do you want to post about this stage or whatever? And I think that makes Meverse interesting because when I'm browsing through, it's like you're seeing people posting about these very specific stages or these very, you know, specific things. And sometimes people just post randomly as well, but there's still like a, a feeling to me that's very connected to gameplay experiences. And then I wonder if you could access it anywhere, would there be a lot more just people signing in and being like, yo, hey, people in the Mario community, how are you doing? Or, you know, <laughs> yeah. No, you got a point. That's for sure. And it just kind of, it's to be seen, I guess, of how they want to implement their non-Wii U Miiverse. I'm hoping that it allows you to maybe even, like, I can tap into, say, the Caves community, and I can be like, okay, I'm liking what I'm reading. Seems pretty cool. Someone posted a screenshot. I'm able to look at that. Maybe I should buy the game, and then allow me to actually go purchase a game that would be ready to download when I get home. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not sure if Nintendo's quite at that point. But. No, probably not. I mean, the Miiverse and Virtual Console are two separate things for them, so to mix like everything together. But that's what I like to see inevitably, is to be able to even do things like that. Well, one thing's for sure is Nintendo likes money, so even if they're slow on some things, I think if they see a financial reason to, you know, if they can make it easier to purchase games, they'll probably start thinking about doing that. Right. And uh, one of the things that uh, that I guess is kind of slowing down their momentum is people are complaining about how kind of slow the software is to launch and just the slowness of the OS in general. And not, I mean, not that that would necessarily stop someone from buying a system, but it's one of the biggest complaints. And so what we learned from this Nintendo Direct is that they want to update the system in two, two increments. So they're going to do one in spring and then one in summer. And the key features, I guess, of these are going to be for faster software launching and, and faster returning to the Wii menu. And uh, I don't know if you guys have found that it's been... Well, Joe, I know you don't have your Wii U yet, but... What? Uh, but um, this could be, you know, detrimental to some people and maybe not to others. But I'm, I'm sure there's more to these updates. But it's cool that they're letting us know ahead of time and that they're in the works, which is a, what a lot of this Nintendo Direct was about, was just giving us foresight, finally, from a secret company. Yeah, I I think it is it is a bit slow to me, and Miiverse especially is slow. And I have a really bad internet connection. Like, it's, a, it's enough that I could actually get on Skype. So... <laughs> It's always hard for me to tell, like, is this slow because it's slow or because my internet's slow? But I've heard so many complaints from other people, too, that I think there is just something about me versus it's, it's slow. Mm-hmm. And, I, I mean, if they could speed that up, I, I'd probably use it a lot more, too. Because right now, it's like click a post, wait. Or, like, looking at images for me, click an image. And that might just be my internet. But click an image, like, it doesn't pop up right away. And I'm mm-hmm. just sitting there waiting for it to pop up. And... Well, like, my biggest problem with it so far isn't so much picture loading and comment loading, but, like, I, I tend to... Lately, I've been watching The Office on Netflix, like, an episode before bed, that kind of thing. 
And so I'll turn on the system, and I'll like finish up what I was doing, maybe like getting out my you know my PJ pants or something, and then I'll hit the Netflix button, and then I'll go like brush my teeth. Not that it takes that long, but it takes long enough to where I know that I can't just stand there and and then you know access Netflix and find the office. I know it's better to just hit the button, let it load, as I go do everything else. Then I can hop in bed and just hit the button. So mm-hmm. if they can speed up apps and games, I definitely will appreciate it. Yeah, I will say though, having the gamepad makes it more likely that. I mean, I've talked about this with Anand before, and he understands this in a way that I think some people don't. Because a lot of people will say, "Well, why are you being so lazy? You could just turn something on or something." But sometimes it really is like you're in this point where you're not sure you even have the motivation to like get up, turn on your game system, turn on your TV, mm-hmm. whatever. But having a gamepad makes it so like. I could be laying here in bed and just grab the gamepad and load up what I want to load up, and like then I could get up and turn on the TV and start playing. Right. So that, I think, speeds it up for me a bit in the sense that the slow part, turning the system on, loading up my software, all that, I could just do laying in bed, and then I could do the rest like, you know, then I, then I could get up. That sounds so lazy, and it is so lazy, but <laughs> we're lazy sometimes. Yep. Well, honestly, I feel like more people than you'd think are agreeing with you right now, you know, who are mm-hmm. listening to this, because, I mean, I, I don't even consider myself that lazy of a person, but I still, you know, as human beings, we, we aim to be more efficient, you know, that's just kind of a natural human, uh, human reaction, so if you can speed up that short time between this and that, A and B, by using the gamepad uh, without turning on your TV or going to the right input and all that stuff, uh, it is, it's nice, you know, especially in this world where we live in that's just constant, like, we need content constantly. We need things fast. We are impatient. Uh, it's you know it's nice to have, and the alternative isn't better. So, mm-hmm. uh, but the last uh, non-game thing that that was discussed at I keep wanting to call it E3 at the Nintendo Direct was that the Virtual Console is coming. And this is going <laughs> to arrive right after the spring update, so that's good. It's you know sooner than later. But of course, there's always a hitch. You know, something weird going on, and that, for one, is that only NES games and Super Nintendo games are going to be available to start, and only certain ones, so not you're not just going to be able to turn on your Wii U and bam, you got the old Wii Virtual Console ready. Um, so that's kind of weird, but, I mean, to make up for it, there's going to be, you can save backups of, of your game progress, which I'm assuming means, like, copying a save on your system and then working off a different one or something, which is kind of neat. Um, then there's off-TV gameplay, which everyone was really hoping for, so they, they have that going. I guess, from what it sounds like, they need to reprogram the game to some extent to make it work like that. But they're also adding Miiverse communities for these games. As I already saw this morning, there's a, there's a balloon fight community for that balloon fight promotion that they're doing right now. And, yeah. um, and now this, this last point that I want to bring up, well, I, I'll mention this really quick too. They are going to add a Game Boy Advance games in the future which is kind of nice because we've never had those at all. And I don't know if this means we're going to see that on the on the 3DS ever or if we're going to see other new consoles that we haven't seen in virtual console form. But it was kind of nice to see the GBA uh, representation. But the last thing that, that was kind of mentioned about this was the special price for games if you've transferred them. So I guess you pay a dollar or a dollar fifty, depending on if it's an NES game or a Super Nintendo game, if you want to buy the enhanced Wii U Virtual Console version, 
that'll play on your system um, and your tablet as well. You you can buy these for that low price, but only if you've transferred them over. So here I thought it would know what's on my Wii, and I'd be able to buy it again, you know, for a cheaper price and play on my Wii U. But that's not really the case. So you still have to transfer everything over, and then you kind of I I hope you don't necessarily replace it, but you probably do replace it with the the new version. So, I would think so. You mean like whether or not it would still be available in the Wii mode? Yeah, which is kind of pointless yeah. at that point, I understand, but yeah. it feels weird to like suddenly lose the content that you have, and that's what I don't like inherently about digital downloads, is I don't want to lose my Wii or my Wii's content by transferring over to the Wii U and then losing that for these upgraded versions, even though... Well, do you mean lose, like, your save file, or just... I'm not even sure what I mean. Because, I mean, it, it sounds so finicky and, and silly, but you know, I paid a lot of money for all those games that are sitting on my Wii right now. Sure. And so to replace them, to like to not have those as like a backup. I, maybe I'm just a hoarder when it comes to like digital goods or something. Like even when I delete music off iTunes that I just never listen to, I still burn it to a disc, so I always have yeah. it somewhere. No, I'm totally with you on this whole digital. I just don't want to lose thing. that. Uh, yeah, exactly. I mean, in theory, you know, with uh, with these systems you can always just re-download them but that's still at the mercy of that system being available and such and then in the wii in wii u case like if i transferred over i can't re-download it on the wii so it is it carries over it is lost on my wii and i don't want to gut my wii even though i probably won't play it that much after xenoblade's finally finished but for some weird maybe incoherent reason i haven't transferred my wii stuff to my wii u and i don't want to pay full price for Wii U versions, but I don't want to transfer it over either, so I kind of have a lose-lose situation. See, for me, I, I guess, like, first off, the price, it's not terrible. So, like, <laughs> the price to me isn't, like, a, a huge deal, but, I, I mean, I don't have a lot of virtual console games anyway, and a lot of them I probably just won't bother getting the upgraded versions. I'll just, like, sort of leave them where they are. because right. I'm and same made, for me. I'm not too worried about it for that reason. But, like, for someone, like, I, I know Guillaume said he has over 100 games, so he's like, I have to spend $100 to transfer these, and that that's a good point. Like, if it sounds cheap. Games, yeah. yeah, it sounds cheap, you know, oh, just for one game, but if you actually want to move your library over, it could get kind of expensive. And the other thing is, I really, I don't like that I have to go into Wii mode right now to play Wii games. It, it goes back to that lazy thing, I guess. It's like, I have to click an extra thing, load up the Wii mode, and then once I'm in there, then I have to click the game I want. And I was hoping that, you know, once this virtual console solution came about, everything, like, you know, all my digital downloads on the Wii would just transfer over to the Wii U system, which now it sounds like, you know, maybe it could, but I'd have to pay money and it's going to come in pieces, you know, only certain games are going to come. And I'm not even sure what's happening with the WiiWare games. Like, are those going to be able to be launched from the Wii U menu? And I'm almost feeling like, well, now I just feel like, why not just leave them in Wii mode? If if I'm not going to get everything at once in like a nice, clean system on Wii U, I might as well just leave them in Wii mode. And it's a little annoying to have to launch from there. But Devil's Advocate, though, I, I totally get what Nintendo, what their intent is and what, like, that. I know they see this problem, too. And here they want us to have integrated experiences with the new features of the Wii U, with the Miiverse and everything, and the off-tablet playing and stuff like that. And for some reason, that just isn't really feasible with the current stock of uh, a virtual console game. So it is, 
I mean, it is it is a tough spot for them to be in, I think. And maybe there could have been some foresight back in the Wii age to prevent this. But, I mean, they are just getting off their feet with this whole community and internet thing and all that. With the tablet thing in general. So, I don't know. I don't really know how they can win here. Well, it just sounds like there's actually enough uh, programming work that needs to be done for these enhancements that they, for whatever reason, you know, they feel they have to... Charge charge something for it now i'm not i you know i don't i don't i'm not crazy about that at all i think you know it, it should ideally you bought these things once and if they want to make their new console more enticing just in general then sort of as you know good faith or whatever it should just be free um but you know i think that it's given the small dollar amount I really feel like it's just something where they said, like, you know, look, this is going to be a lot of programming that we have to do, so we have to pay those people somehow. Now, what I do uh, as a caveat to that is, like, uh, I think it was Stephen on the forums who said, like, if you have, you know, dozens and dozens of games, there should be, like like, a cap. So if you instead of having to pay a dollar or a dollar fifty for fifty dollars in your whole right thing sent over exactly exactly now and that like that is I think what would have been ideal and I, I bet Nintendo probably they're probably not even thinking about people who might have that many games uh, right yeah I, Guillaume I is of, definitely going to be in the minority yeah and I kind of feel like if you had the money to buy that many games you know. Kind of like, are you really going to be quibbling over? I don't um, know. I guess the principle of the thing, but but I think that I think a cap would have been the ideal way to do it because then they get money, but they don't screw the loyal people who are already willing to give them lots of money. And Andrew, you can go ahead. I was going to say I I have a lot of games that I don't have the money for them, so it's like I I have a pretty limited budget when it comes to games, so to to, to want to spend money to get these these games I already own just integrated into Miiverse or whatever, that to me is like, I don't have a lot of money. I'd rather buy some new games. But then the other thing is, I don't even, like, if if this was a one-time thing and we knew this was the end, like, you pay this $1 now, this game is going to work on every Nintendo system moving forward, that would be a better thing to me. But the fact that we're paying now, it's like, yeah, what's going to happen next system? Do we even know? You know, maybe there's some new thing that goes beyond Miiverse that requires more programming. Do we do we pay again or maybe well, there's not and they just charge us anyway again. Like do I have to keep paying every time I transfer these to a new system? Because in that sense, I'd definitely just rather leave them where they're at. You know? I mean that's a fair concern, but my response to that would be you can play these things on your new device. It's just a matter of, as you said, convenience and these extra features. Right. So if in six years the next console allows you to, I don't know, smell the games or something <laughs> ridiculous, then yeah, you know, maybe if you want that experience, you would have to pay for it. Now, I, I'm again, I'm not crazy about it. I don't think that like a company should be able to just charge when and whatever they want. But I think that that is the rationale behind it. It would be bad if they said you can't play the games you bought on this system without paying but you can it's right. just you need to pay to get these other 
functions. Well, there's that point, and then one more devil, devil's advocate um, memo for Nintendo's side is that, you know, Guillaume, he's going to have his 100 games that he wants to transfer over, but realistically, will he actually play all 100 of those games over again when it's transferred? It's a convenience. It feels good to have it on your Wii U in that new form, but he's only going to play X amount of those games because he has new stuff coming at him all the time. And mm. when I was thinking about, you know, the 20, maybe, yeah, maybe like 20 games that I own, different Mega Mans and the Dr. Mario, I can think of maybe three or four that I would probably want to rebuy again. And again, this is partially because I have my stuff on my Wii still, but where I'd rather just boot up my Wii U and play it a little more enhanced, have the community aspect and stuff like that. But everything else, you know, um, there was like a dogfighting game I bought a long time ago. It was fun for the time, but I would not want to pay to bring that back over. So I assume you mean airplanes dogfight. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it wasn't like a... Uh, Michael Vick Michael Vick situation, yeah, no. Gotcha. Um, starring the dog from Duck Hunt. And, uh, <laughs> no, it wasn't anything like that, but it was uh, Pearl Harbor, some Pearl Harbor game, I don't know. Mm-hmm. And... So yeah, so that hundred dollars that Guillaume thinks he has to spend may not be as much. It just feels. We more... should probably stop picking on Guillaume specifically. <laughs> hundred dollars, someone in his situation might have. All right, to spend. let's go with Devoid. Let's go with David, who is another uh, Montreal uh, Canadian. So which Canadian can we yeah, pick on exactly, now? Exactly. Assuming Devoid has. Uh, He's a Montreal Canadian. Wait, wait. These he guys get hockey. free health insurance. Why are they complaining about money? Come on. Yeah. <laughs> Right, so I'm we need spending to money bill. on my doctor bills. They could buy some games. We need to have a bill in um in our own American Congress that relates, you know, the subsidy of of this upgrade. I think then. Yes. When is Congress going to tackle this Wii U? Yeah. You know. What do I have to do? Do I have to? You know, I'm not going to make that joke. Okay. So um yeah, it's, is there anything else you guys want to say about this before we move on to the games? Mm, nope. nope. Okay. Well, one last thing I wanted to say that I thought was kind of cool is that Awada even apologize about the lack of titles uh, earlier on this year in January and February, which, you know, I mean, actions speak louder than words, but it was still pretty cool that, like, the head of a company would still say, you know what, I'm sorry for dropping the ball, you know? Especially because so much of just business in general is all about the art form of never admitting fault. Yeah. Yeah. This is kind of refreshing. It just feels good to be a fan and feel connected to a company. And, I mean, no one should probably feel that connected to a corporation, but it feels good to have a company that seems sympathetic to its users' needs sometimes and understands when they're not doing something correct. Mm-hmm. So it's just kind of cool, because you wouldn't see that probably from the other of the big three. I mean, I, I have to admit, though, I, this whole thing is, like, it's it's awesome that we got all this game news at once, but it also worries me a little bit because I'm thinking... What actually spurred this on? Like, they would never have in January put out this much information other than I, I really think they might just be struggling to get to keep the momentum. Like, the Wii U had an okay launch, but not like the Wii launch, and now it's January, and I think the momentum's kind of dying off a bit. I think that's, like, just, is, that's just one way to look at it, but, I mean, it, I don't think there's evidence either way. I think that yeah. it's a new strategy of really just attacking it and surprising people throughout the year to keep momentum. Everyone yeah. had their eyes on E3, but you know what? Bam. Nintendo's going to tell you all this cool shit that will almost be irrelevant when E3 comes around because there's going to be new stuff. Exactly. I guarantee I think, their E3 is still going to be strong. Go ahead. I think this is less uh, an attempt at you know some kind of smoke and mirrors and more just this is the new 
Nintendo philosophy where, you know, they just basically have been giving the finger to all other forms of media and just saying, like, we're going to tell you what we want you to know and we're going to do it on our schedule. Mm -hmm. I guess I just just feel, though, like a a lot of their announcements were, I mean, there was some really cool stuff, like seeing Xenoblade 2, or if that is even what it is, and seeing that it's actually, you know, they had something to show us. But then, I guess we'll get into this when we talk about the games more, but I felt like a a bunch of it was just, this game is in development. And it's it's stuff that we all probably knew anyway, right? Like, we we weren't sitting here like, I wonder if a new Mario Kart or a new Zelda, you know, or a new Mario is coming. But those were quickly referenced. Like, if you talk about that, the Mario, the Smash Brothers... Mario Kart, those were quick, but I don't think we knew about the new Wii, or do we know about the new Wii, Wii U party thing? Mm, I don't think so. No. But we didn't know about that. The Yoshi Yarn was a surprise, although it had been in gamers' minds for like three years. Um, the Shin Megami Tensei, Fire Emblem crossover was brand new. Of course, we knew Zelda was being worked on, but nobody knew about the Wind Waker game. Um, the sequel to Xenoblade, considering it was such a hard thing to get that over here, for that to be in the North American Nintendo Direct was kind of a surprise, let alone the game itself. Um, so, I, you know, I think that there was a lot of new stuff as well, and it, they were just touching all their bases. Because, you know what, if, uh, if they didn't say that Mario was being worked on, people would then, today, be saying, well, are they, are they working on Mario? Oh my yes. gosh, like, they're probably not. Oh my gosh, why didn't they mention it? You know, no, so. I was, yeah, I was just talking with some people the other day how, you know, this may just be an example of... Um, you know, companies that just can't win no matter what they do. But the you know, the the prior Nintendo approach was to not talk about games until they were just about ready to come out. And that used to make a certain segment of people frustrated because they would say like, Oh, just you know, just tell us, just let us know. Just just, you know, reward our faith so that we can at least, you know, expect And that always bites them in the ass too. Yeah, well, and because you know, because they would be making assumptions like, oh, "Is the Zelda franchise dead?" I bet it is, because it's not. You know, right. yeah, they would have all these hypotheticals for you know why Zelda is no longer relevant and blah blah blah. So they would go in this panic mode. But so now Nintendo has changed their approach, which is more in line with like the entire rest of the industry, where they just say like. Yep, we're working on it, and uh, you know, in two or three years, we'll let you know when you can buy it. And, well, and then that means there's going to be delays, and you're going to get mad at us for the delays. And this is what you asked for. So, and so even with like the Smash Brothers game still being far off, you know, and that was nice to hear an update on that. However, many of these games too were announced for this year, which is which is awesome. Nintendo really is just kind of letting you know it's kind of like. Um, being really matter of fact compared to what it used to be, mm. and so I don't know. I think I think it's a, I don't think it's something to worry about. I think it's something to embrace and just you know. Then again, I, I'm always looking on the bright side of, of things or trying to anyway. So maybe that's just and, my I, perception. and I'm always such a downer. Debbie <laughs> Downer, <laughs> an Andrew Downer. Um, but <clears throat> let's take a quick break and then we'll come back and we'll talk about something that you clearly can't be down about, which is the insane slew of games that were discussed. So we'll be right back after a quick break and going to have a lot of fun.
All right, now we're back, and we're going to devote the rest of the podcast to just talking about the games, because there is a slew of them discussed, uh, introduced, um, brought back to our memories, and all that stuff. So some of them obvious, some not. So let's jump right in. The first game that they mentioned was The Wonderful 101, which that's the official title, I believe. It was called something else when it was first announced last year, but... Project P100. That's right, yeah. And so, when, you know, this game... I, I, you know, in my notes, I say that it's Pikmin meets Power Rangers meets superheroes, but I know that it's not, like, it looks like Pikmin, but it doesn't play like Pikmin. It's much more action-oriented and everything. I know that, I just saw, Andrew, you posted about that just, like, this morning or something. Yeah, Um, I I got to play the demo of this, actually, over the summer, and I'm sure it's a lot's changed since then, but it's not really like Pikmin, because you don't really use each individual person in individual ways. Like you're not, it's not like a strategy game where you're managing different things at once. It's really, it's just this mass of people who follow you around and you could use them to turn into like, you know, turn into a huge sword and use that to attack or turn into a gun and shoot with it and stuff. So it's more like a straightforward action game in the, you know, you're not really managing you you have like fifty people following you or whatever, but you're not throwing one person to do this and one person to do that or, or whatever. It was fun though when I played it. It was really fun. And I think it's going to be a really good game. And I've noticed some people are actually kind of down on it, which seems a little weird to me because it to me it looks like even when I first saw it, I was like this looks very fresh and, and unique. And then when I got to play it, I was like it's actually even last summer it had, was already coming together pretty well. So you know this is a game that. I would not think that I would want to play or would want to own, but it just looks so freaking fun, and it looks beautiful graphically. Um, the effects and the the you know polygonal uh, design and all that—I don't know what the hell you'd call it—but it just looks like a beautiful game. It's going to look great in HD, and yeah, like you were saying, how you know everyone joins together to become a sword, and that's kind of where the Power Rangers part came in. Not that these are Megazords or something, but like you you work as a team to to kick ass in this city that's being you know destroyed by whatever baddie there is, and uh, it just seems like a ton of fun. And I hope it's a lengthy game. I hope it's not too long, but just has a, a good amount of content and it's some sort of breeze. Yeah, I guess that, that would be my worry, and not there's nothing specific about my experience with it that makes me think it would be short. It's just these type of games sometimes end up short. You know, it's, it's a bit more straightforward action type game, but I don't know. Like Guillaume had a good point, though. He's like, when has Kamiya ever made a bad game? And then I looked up, like, because I don't know every game he's made, and I looked it up online, and I was like, oh, actually, every single game he's, like, directed and worked on are all, like, really good games. You know, there's, like, th- there's not a single one that, that's not a, at least good. Like, the worst one I could find was Resident Evil Zero, and that's still a decent game, you know? So I'm like, he doesn't make bad games. And you, you could even argue that Resident Evil Zero is kind of locked into its niche the 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 franchise itself you know so maybe he was uh like his creative ideas might have been a little squashed yeah i don't think he he directed that game anyway i, I forget his role on it. it's some lead design or something like that so he wasn't in charge of that game i don't think but but yeah like he's got a good good reputation for quality games and like you know his most recent i think bayonetta and people love that i've never played it but it's supposedly really good so We'll see what happens. I'm excited. I think it'll be good. Yeah. Joe, is this something you're interested in? Yeah. Um, you know, it's the kind of game I don't think I'll, I'll be... Well, I'll, I might not even have a Wii U by the time it comes out. But um, 
even if I did, I'm not sure it would be like a day one purchase kind of thing, but it is absolutely one that I could see myself, you know, a year or two from now picking up and and really really enjoying and as you kind of said it you know if looking at the elements of it it's not really the kind of game that i would usually assume would be for me but uh there's just something about the sum of its parts that looks really appealing uh just just a lot of fun like you said and even in the video that we just saw this past week it's like i don't know there's just like these little i don't know it just looks so charming and like whimsical i mean like the thing where they're going down the water slide and everything i mean if the game just has stuff like that every 10 15 minutes (laughs) that would be so yeah that was that was in the new trailer wasn't it Mm -hmm. like with the the little circular water slide that was yeah little i i that little snippet right there shows this game's gonna have all these little jokes it's gonna be such a you know this what you're fighting all these crazy monsters you're not gonna feel so stressed because it's gonna be like making you laugh along the way Mm. Yeah. So it's going to be like a really good movie, like a feel-good movie that has a lot of action in it, you know, and those are always entertaining. Yeah, I mean, even you see the little dialogue scene where the the one, like, chubby uh, hero is talking and then the other one kind of, like, jumps on his head and interrupts him or whatever. Just things like that that I think will give the whole game a real personality that will be very enjoyable. Um, I do have a a point of uh, inquiry, though. Um, So it's called The Wonderful 101. Because you are the 101, right? It's there's a hundred of them. Suppose, like if you look at their sh- their little jacket, it's got 100 on the back, and then you are supposed to be the 101st for however they explain that. I think. But even that said, don't you only ever see like a couple dozen guys at a time or something? Like where are the other? Like do you think you switch out your party? Like will you ever get a hundred heroes? Am I reading too much into this? It might be that one. Yeah. I, I personally have no speculation either way. I just don't know yet. Um, I don't know if Andrew knows more, but... Well, you definitely you recruit as you go. So in the demo, like, I'd be running around fighting, but then there'd be guys, like, you could save them, or maybe there's girls too, I don't remember. You could save people, and you, you get them to join your team. So maybe okay. at some point you build up to 100 hundred people i don't know if you ever actually i mean i I assume you'll get to 100 but i i didn't i don't think i got that high in the demo i just remember hearing that explanation at one point probably when we very first heard about the game i think was that there was a hundred of them and then you were the hundred and first whether the people in the game know of your existence or not they probably don't but yeah so i was just curious because like looking over the you know material we've seen so far it seems like it's always the same like 12 or so and maybe they'll kind of dole out the other the other ones as we get closer to release date. Maybe we'll start seeing some new heroes, or maybe they're just not main characters. But anyway, this is the kind of stuff that interests me. So but. I didn't re- I didn't really get the sense I didn't really get the sense from the demo, and I could be wrong, but I didn't get the sense from the demo that any of them are really main characters except the one main one. It's it's more like you could just recruit like the, a bunch of different people and. I don't know if they actually like if there's actually a hundred specific ones. You know, what I mean, there might even be more, yeah. and you might just miss some of them sometimes and not recruit sure. them all or or whatever. So I don't know. I, I think there is like some kind of core though, because and again, I don't know any of their names, but yeah, there's definitely the like leader guy, and then there's kind of the chubby guy in green, and there's the kind of like you know the like typical more like anime cool looking longer haired guy. <laughs> 
I don't know. I think there's at least two or three kind of core characters. Maybe they'll be the ones that sort of like drive the the dialogue, and as you said, all the other ones are sort of the rabble of you know maybe I mean, optional. It could, it could you know. be like that. Like that's how uh, like Valkyrie Chronicles on PS3 worked, where you could recruit a bunch of people who all had their own names and stories, kind of, but they were they were in the background more, and like the main story didn't revolve around any of them it's just to revolve around like the core six or seven people or whatever yep all right we should probably move on though let's move on just because we got a lot of a lot of games here uh next they talked about bayonetta 2 although they didn't have like anything to show they're not ready to do that yet but they had like kind of a little video of the developers working on it and talking about it and like modeling the the sexy ass of the main character (laughs) which is pretty much what they were doing like i want to get the leather right on the butt cheek (laughs) I'm i'm pretty sure that's what i saw in the subtitles yeah, but um, are you guys interested in this game? I, I am not really. I, I I don't know. I mean, I think I could be, but I never played the first, and it's not really my favorite genre. Yeah, I, I tried the demo on the Xbox, and I you know I definitely see how it's a good game, like it's a high quality game, but I just don't think it's for me. I um, you know, I don't mind the sort of. Uh, I don't know what what is the genre like hack and slash like button mashy comboy kind of brawler so, yeah. thing whatever but uh, you know that's that's fine I I'm I'm cool with that I um I don't really like how it just seems to be like uh, there's just way too much exploitation in my opinion of like the the main character and her body and her like her whole attitude and stuff and like you know just the just the whole thing about like when she casts a spell, like she becomes naked except for her hair or something ridiculous, and just like just stuff like that, I just find kind of pandering, and I'm not into that sort of thing. I know every like people say like oh, but it's it's tongue in cheek or something, and that's fine, but I don't know to me like I get where that's not something that should be in every game, and it shouldn't be. It's not fairly representing what real life is about or or the appropriate view of women. But, I mean, object not so much objectification, but just, like, glorification of a feminine body or a male body. I mean, it, it is something that just kind of happens, and some people appreciate it, some people don't. I don't yeah, see... and don't get me wrong, I'm, I'm fine with that. I, I just kind of feel it's like a, it's like a one-note note thing that is... Okay, so you're saying there's nothing else backing it up besides... So the game, right. the series is... M- Right. It's okay to have the sexuality, but not if that's all there is. Totally, that makes totally. sense. And, yeah. and even even if um, the gameplay looks good, which I think it probably is, it's it's just I don't know the combination of of uh, you know even even if the gameplay is good, but there but it is just that one note. That's why I'm just saying it's it's probably not for me. Not not I'm not saying it's like not a worthwhile game or anything like that. Um, and I think it's cool for all the people who, I mean, there are a lot of people who are really excited about it. So uh, for them, because it seems like this game was really in jeopardy, um, you know, for them to be getting it at all, I think it's very exciting. So just probably not for me. I, I think for me too, like even leaving aside the whole, like, is it exploitative debate? I don't even want to get into that right now, but <laughs> But for me, it's like it's just, that doesn't appeal to me really. Like the whole, like, here's some sexy women games. And it's like, yeah, I'm, it appeals to a lot of people, I'm sure, and I'm not going to sit and judge. But there's nothing about that that gets me excited. You know, like the things that get me excited are usually more nerdy or like 
like Metroid sci-fi type thing or something like that, you know, to just be like, here's a sexy woman who's going around kicking ass. Like mm. that's a, and that doesn't even get me excited from the, the guy's standpoint either. Like devil may cry or, you know, I did play devil may cry, but I didn't get that excited about this like badass dude running around kicking ass all the time. And it's, it's just not my thing, I guess. And, I don't know. Like when I contrast that with like Wonderful One Hundred and One, like that's more my style. Like goofy, cartoony, like tongue in cheek, and like I do. I, I don't even. I, I think I don't mind like the whole sexy female sometimes, but I, I think I have to really connect to something else too. Well, and that's just the kind of person you are. I mean, the series will have a demographic of people who just want to drool over the the character that they're fighting with or whatever. But I mean. But, I mean, I don't want to devolve in this conversation too much into that focus, but Bayonetta, as a series, does seem to have some validity, you know? It does seem to be a pretty well-made game, and, and the thing that was interesting about the video in the Direct was that these people who are building this game really seem to have a passion for making it good, which I think is excellent for Nintendo as a whole, because they have this exclusive, and they have people really trying to do good, like, right by Nintendo and right by the fans of the series, and it's only on Nintendo, and I think that's great to, to showcase in the Nintendo Direct. Yeah, and let me say again, you know, for anyone who, you know, regardless of what they enjoy about this game, but especially if it's that they're like, you know what, I just, the core gameplay is so appealing and, you know, it, it really, you know, if you look at the nuts and bolts, you know, like it's for whatever reason, it's not just a brawler and there really is like some clever gameplay elements there, then by all means, more power to those people and, and you know, Go ahead and enjoy it. I think it's just really, it's just not my favorite genre. Like all other things aside, I've played Devil May Cry Part One. And I've played the God of War games and Ninja Gaiden. Like those are all the same genre. Like none of those, like really, are my favorite games. You know, like I've played through them and enjoyed them, but they don't get me excited. And you know, in a lot of those series, I never played the sequels or. You know. Yeah, I played the first Devil May Cry. I played it in one sitting, almost just so that I could like never touch it again. And it's weird because I've never really had that experience. I rented the game, and I was like, I don't really like this, but I want to see the entirety of it and then never play it again. <laughs> I enjoyed yeah, it, but... I, I never played any of the sequels either. It's, it's kind of like first-person shooters to me, where if one really seems to stand out, then I'll, I'll try it out, but like the genre as a whole doesn't get me that excited. Well, uh, speaking of standout games, the next game that was brought up was Super Smash Bros., which we know will be a standout game, for sure. I mean, this, this might be their most important game to get right. For the Thank masses, God they're still making Smash Brothers because I was worried. <laughs> How I'm much sarcasm? Is, okay, I was going to say it was all sarcasm. Um, you know, even though they had nothing to show and nothing to say, it was really cool that uh, Mr. Iwata felt the need to, you know, give us an update. Again, it's like they're trying to suppress this whole fans freaking out phenomenon. So you know, and and again, it kind of connects on a personal level, like saying from a developer from the head of this company. I know you want this. It's on its way. Like, I don't know, just cool. So, they did promise that the first new screens are going to be uh, shown at E3. So, I mean, if this Nintendo Direct did anything, it told us, like, a bunch of cool things that are, that are going to happen in a few months. And we know that there's going to be surprises beyond that because Nintendo has learned in the, over the past maybe five years how to handle E3s better. 
And uh, and then they also promised that the game's on track. I mean, anything you guys yep. want to say about the game? I I do wonder what on track means. Like, I there's some people who are thinking it could even come this Christmas. And I don't think that's going to happen at all. Mm-mm, me either. Like, like I think we would have seen something substantial by now if yeah. that was the timeline. I think maybe next Christmas is more likely, or next summer or something maybe. Mm. But yeah, I guess I, I'm. The thing that excites me most about new Smash Brothers games is it's almost like the core the core gameplay is probably not going to change that much. So it's more to me, it's just like what new franchises are going to be represented through characters, stages. True. And then, of course, I want to know, is there going to be good online? But we're probably not going to know that until a long time from now. So Yeah, I mean, a lot of people speculating about... Um you know, like uh, people just assuming that like Shulk from Xenoblade will definitely be in the next Smash Brothers, things like that. I don't know if that's a good assumption to make. No, I mean we, you know, we don't know what what's going to show, but I that is one of the the key excitements for me too is is what you know what is going to be in there, and I guess, and I don't want this to devolve into that sort of conversation either. But I do think that this time around they are going to focus more on what you were saying they don't normally focus on, which is changing the gameplay, because that has been a big kind of th- thing coming out of uh, what is it, Sakurai? Is that the guy who, who makes uh-huh. it? Out of his mouth, he wants to change that up to a vast degree. And maybe that has something to do with the 3DS version that's coming as well. You know, and frankly, they didn't specify... I mean, this was about the Wii U, I guess, so that that does clarify that. But maybe maybe they'll have Smash Brothers 3DS screens as well at E3. We don't know. I would hope so. I would hope that it really is just launched as like one big yeah one thing one thing i do really like about the way he does things though is that he doesn't just wait for one day and, and blow everything out it's he had, you know what's the site called where he he leaks out like a new character every once in a while or a new stage yeah he it's did like that for a Braun. constant yeah a constant stream of information which that to me is is more exciting especially in a game like this because then every single new little thing gets its own spotlight like this week's new character is, you know, Marth or whatever, and then like that becomes its own thing. It's not just another name on a list. It, you know, when I mean? it gives you time to digest it, it gives you time to discuss it, and then speculate some more. It extends the fun of mm-hmm. the pre-release banter. Yeah, I don't think this will work for every type of game, but a game like this that has like such a wide cast of characters and every stage is going to be from a different game or whatever. I think that's a, really the right way to do it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, we can only hope that that's going to happen. Maybe at E3, depending on how long it is uh, from the release, but maybe they'll even do something like that where they'll have the screens and then those screens will be the first screens on the site and then they'll start leaking stuff periodically. Mm. Well, it should be kind of nice. That said, though, there's uh, many more games to touch upon, such as the 3D Mario, obviously, is coming I guess maybe I mean this is probably obvious too, but it's coming from the same team that did Galaxy, Galaxy Two, uh, Mario 3D Land. So that's three excellent games that you know in in the history of Mario. And the next beautiful, the first HD Mario 3D game is going to be by that team. So that does make me uh, shit my pants in a very pleasant <laughs> manner. <laughs> is there a pleasant way to do that? You know what? Not until they <laughs> they announced that there was not. I did not believe there was. Um, uh, yeah, no. I'm. I mean, there's not much you can say about about that announcement, but I guess just you know the the biggest thing and we don't need to get too deep into it, but it's just sort of you know uh, do, if we have a guess, 
as to just what general direction they'll take it? Like, do you think it'll be more like Galaxy, where it was like sort of like bite-sized uh, little little stages, um, or you know, will they take the opportunity with the processing power to have like bigger, more um, open world has a different connotation, but more you know, just like style. Yeah, exactly. Just <clears throat> like larger, more exploration based, I guess you could say. I um, I think that's going to be the one. It's been so long since they've done that. Um, they kind of did that in Super Mario 3D Land. As, you know, if you compare Galaxy to that game, Mario 3D Land was much more of a level level by level, sprawling levels, draw distance. Mm-hmm. While Galaxy, of course, was more of these uh, planetoids. Yep. I think they're going to want to show in HD. They're going to want to show the draw distance, the the creative art design that they can do with, you know, a thwomp fortress type level or an underwater level. And I, and I know there were expansive levels in the Galaxy games, but I can totally see them going back in that direction. Maybe not with a summer vacation theme, but maybe a winter ski resort theme. <laughs> you mean um, like how Sunshine was? Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah, so it it probably won't be, you know... I don't think it'll be focused on something like Sunshine was so themed around one thing. But, I mean, this is probably going to be their way of reintroducing Mario to 3D, at least with the HD aspect. I was just talking with someone on the boards about how, yeah, I really wonder because I feel like the Galaxy series really gave them, like, absolute carte blanche to just do whatever they thought would make for an interesting level, right. you know, because they could, like, literally do anything. It's like, oh, I want. A level with this kind of mechanic. Okay, go ahead and make it. You know, there was nothing, there was no restriction at all. But sort of on the other end, as you were saying, you know, if you have, like, that creates like a very, like, disjointed overall world. Mm. But there is at the other end, you know, like the Sunshine route where you, where it is like a, you know, a specific area with like a very tangible sort of motif and, and feel and vibe and everything like that. So, yeah, you know, I wonder which, you know, ultimately it'll probably be a balance, but I wonder if, you know, which sort of side of that spectrum they might lean uh, more in the direction of. I think for me, like, when I when I think of what Galaxy did, I think a lot of people just think of it as, like, that was the space-themed game, but I feel like a lot of what Galaxy did kind of transcends the space theme. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. These planetoids, it... it it kind of had to exist in space, maybe, for this to make sense. But I think, from a core gameplay perspective, like they just they were just opening up new ways to traverse things, and that right. to me isn't isn't like this is the space way to traverse. It's like that's just a brand new way, you know. And I don't want that to go away. Go away. So I'm kind of I kind of worry like if they would move away from that because I think there could be a balance. Yeah, I guess so. But I mean. It's it's almost hard to imagine how they would continue to do that without the space theme. But at the well, same time, it's like uh, if they don't do that, then they're back to just like you're running on top of stuff maybe. Or But they could easily like – I'm already imagining like, you know, like an epic Mickey thing where, uh, you know, Bowser has found a magic paintbrush and now he can recreate the world however he wants and, you know that sort of justification for so so now you know you can have all these crazy level designs however you want but it's just but it doesn't necessarily have to be in space yeah cuz I mean, you're right it's not like it's not like galaxy was like mario puts on a space suit and you know flies around with it was just a convention or, to justify the gameplay 
Yeah. Which is what Nintendo does a lot. They always create things around the gameplay. Yes. Perhaps they're going to go with a full HD realized Mario 3D Land type thing, where it's segmented levels, but they are bigger and sprawling, but they have a flagpole at the end of them. So mm. that way there is a end goal, and that way they can make some levels flat, or they can make some levels planetoid-like. You know, they can yeah. still be as random as they'd like. Right, because yeah. 3D Land really was like a... I mean, it had elements of like a pure 2D Mario game, but also very much obviously 3D. Mm-hmm. So they really kind of had their cake and ate it too with that. So, but so. I would I would prefer to have a non-fixed camera, like 3D Mario game again. Yes, yes, me too. And, you know, it'll be playable at E3. They've promised that, so we'll find out soon enough. And, yeah. uh, and also playable at E3 is going to be uh, the new Mario Kart, which Very I find excited. also exciting, yes. But this yes. is probably almost the most obvious thing there is, because it's clear now that these Mario Kart games sell like freaking gangbusters mm. every single console, and it's best for them to get it out as soon as possible. I think that's this year, mm, to be honest That with would you. be, that'd be cool. That, I think that's holiday 2013. I could see that. Because that way it gives them the maximum, you know, profit potential. You gotta figure half the tracks are already done, right? Because right. they're always <laughs> retro, so. And maybe, you know, maybe they've had rare, or not rare, ugh, um, Retro. Retro. Uh, maybe they've had retro working on, on tracks beyond the Mario Kart for the 3DS, you know, in preparation for this. Mm, true. True. So this could have been something they could have worked on a long time ago. Uh, and yeah, I think it was you know probably telling as soon as they revealed that the title of the 3DS game was going to be Mario Kart 7 that they were probably going to you know really you know really make sure that uh, that every platform had had one of these games and and to to make it less confusing instead of doing a subtitle they were just going to do numbers from mm-hmm. now on, you know. I mean that's my pretty- guess. Pretty much, so there was the Super Nintendo game for consoles, and then the first handheld game was Game Boy Advance, and I think each system since then has had exactly one Mario Kart. Like, there's never been a system that had no Mario Kart since or that two. point, or two. So yeah. I think you're, you're totally right about, especially lately, these games sell the entire generation, and they're not going to do two. I mean, they might at some point, but they're probably not going to do two of them. So they they will want to probably get this one out as soon as possible. Mm-hmm. So I definitely see that happening uh, ASAP. Mm-hmm. So, so this uh, is this is maybe a li- not exactly on topic, but what do you guys think about expanding it for other Nintendo franchises? Because I was playing the Sonic game, and to be honest, I started getting excited about all these different uh, Sega franchises that they put in there. I don't even think Sega has like the greatest franchises, but they have some cool ones. And, you know, Skies of Arcadia and Panzer Dragoon and stuff. And I was thinking, like, how cool would it be to have like the Metroid Mario Kart track or the Zelda track? Oh, it'd be awesome. Yeah. I, but I would want them to do probably a separate game, like Super Kart Brothers or something like that, you know? And, and have Mario Kart be Mario Kart. Don't change it up because then you're going to have to worry about, well,. Do we piss off the fans of the next generation and not do that and go back to Mario Kart? You don't want to. I don't think you want to change Mario Kart itself, but have a, a second game maybe by the similar team or something that goes beyond the Mario universe or omits Mario entirely and goes to the other franchises. Do, how many people do you think would really be turned off though to, to expand it like that? I, th- I think mm. branding wise, it's, it's good to have Mario, and I think that's why the Sega game. It was called like Sonic and All Stars instead of like just Sega Racer or something. Mm. 
but like it's hard to imagine people getting like pissed off like oh i wanted another mario kart track instead of like a some more variety or something well yeah but i mean then you start changing you have to change up the items you have to change up other notable factors and people might start missing things if because you have to uh, uh, whatever you add or subtract from the mario franchise you have to add and subtract in every other franchise so it's an equal representation so if you if you add a, a Zelda like weapon, like a bomb or something, you change the bomb into be a uh, <clears throat> like a, just a normal Zelda bomb. Well, if you don't have what the hell was I saying? I just lost my train of thought. But it, you have to apply that across the board. So I think that could then make the game look way too different, or, or play differently even than what you're used to, because they're trying to accommodate for these different things. Because not every franchise works the same way, mm. and it might be gimmicky if you start seeing certain things being shoehorned when they really don't fit. You know, Mario fits because Mario's Mario. It's a um, homogenous franchise. You know, it's it's pure or whatever. Mm. But it, I think things can get uh, muddy if you if you try to expand too much. But, I mean, it works for Smash Brothers, so... Yeah. But then again, that, that started off like that. It wasn't, you know, Super Mario Fighter and then changed. <laughs> I think you've really, you've really touched on all the... Um necessary points though because like I have I, I think when Mario Kart Wii came out I was like I started thinking like um, you know because I really liked the bikes in that game which a lot of people didn't but and so I started thinking like okay well for me this isn't like Mario Kart I never use the carts I don't like the carts this is now you know Mario Race or something mm-hmm. and then I started thinking about like yeah exactly this idea of incorporating the other franchises and that started to sound really appealing to me because you've got like you know there's like Kirby's Air Ride and like Diddy Kong Racing and stuff so these other franchises sort of exist you know with uh, within a racing genre but like I'm never going to play those games simply because I, like I, I can't you kind of like have to develop the skill for one card right. game in my opinion oh, yeah. so for me it's always going to be Mario Kart so but I I found it like as I was thinking about that idea it became really appealing to have them all together and I you know if they did that I personally would be very excited but I can totally see what you're saying in that there are a lot of folks who you know A just resist and fear change as we've mentioned on this podcast many times but um, and 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 going along with it, the people that will just complain about anything. But I do think there is also something to be said for, like, the mechanics of the game would have to change because it is so reliant on the items. And as you said, if you are adding some, you're going to be subtracting others. Even if they're still in the game, it's like just the likelihood of of getting them will be less because it'll be, you know, that randomness will be spread out across new items now. So people who might have gotten used to like relying on like oh I get my red shells once a lap or something and this is my strategy now they have to change that up and they might not like that which is both yeah fun to to change things up but also it could turn off some people I mean it it's it can go either way I guess the one thing that like I, I definitely think the idea of that kind of game would be great and it would probably be a lot of fun and Nintendo would probably do it pretty well but I'm skeptical just because it's it would be so jarring for me personally, to see Kirby on a star while Mario's in his cart, while Link yeah. is on a Pona, and they're all racing together. Right. 
Cause well, they can all just ride carts. <laughs> they, they don't have to be riding weird. Well, but if you go, if you go the the realm of, uh, well, okay, in the Sonic All Star Racing game, Sonic rides in a cart or yep. some sort of car. He doesn't ever run. No, they all ride okay. some kind of cars. I mean, in that game, the cars change into boats and, and airplanes based on the context yeah. of the stage. But they all ride in a car to start with. I don't know. It just. I guess that would help a little bit, but it, I yeah, I am really of two minds on this because I can totally see what you're saying, Stephen. How it might be really weird because you would think that they probably would. I don't know. Maybe they would just be general carts and vehicles that would have nothing to do with the franchise, or maybe like because in cart now, like they have like you know like the the blooper uh, cart, but it's not like a riding on a squid it's just a cart that's shaped like right that and you know two, so maybe they wouldn't have you ride on a pona but it would be like you know a car that looks like a pona or something I, i'm probably grasping at straws just to like be in disagreement i guess you know but yo you're always doing that you're very <laughs> but uh but yeah for some reason it just doesn't sit right with me because at least in, maybe it's because of how Mario has been developed over all these years and these decades. But to me, carts exist in Mar- in Mario's world. I mean, he's a plumber after all. He's kind of, you know, he uses tools. He's Not that he, plumbers are mechanics or anything, but that kind of thing exists. But you don't see that in Hyrule. There's no your plumber doesn't, a, doesn't fix your car? No. <laughs> no. Oh. Um, well, unfortunately, right. I, yeah, I know I pay more for two. Plumber <laughs> and mechanic separate. But, you know, in Hyrule, that doesn't really, that doesn't really work. Yeah, and then if no... I didn't, if I saw Samus not in a ship, I mean, I guess right. you could have a cart like ship, but it wouldn't be the ship. I don't know. It would feel like Nintendo's, a downgrade for her. Nintendo's franchises are so rich that it might feel like you're diminishing them just to shoehorn franchises into a game just yeah. to sell copies. They wouldn't feel as organic and make sense. To I, don't me. Think it's, I don't think it's just to sell copies. Like when I think of it, I, I feel like there's so much more creativity that would just naturally come from having all these ideas. Like, now you're talking like maybe there'd be like a WarioWare track and what could they do with that? Like in Smash Brothers, you know, like WarioWare, like what was the one where the, there was the drawing? I forget what Picto-chat. that's called. PictoChat. Like all these ideas led to some really cool stages that I don't think would have happened if it was like Super Mario Fighter or something. Believe me, I'm very contradictory when it comes to thinking about how Smash Brothers. Like <laughs> I love Smash Brothers and that works for me. And maybe it's just because that came first. You know what I mean? And I'm not saying that my my negativity has any validity at all. I'm just being devil's advocate, I guess. Because yeah, you're right. I mean, all that shit works great. I mean, I I don't like fighters, but I love Smash Brothers. And part of it is not because I mean, I guess a little bit of it's the the gameplay, but I love it because of the creativity and the fun mixing. I love being young Link, you know, doing a down sword slash on top of Luigi's head while he was trying to do his little weird jab at you know. King mm-hmm. DDD or whatever, like it's just it's a it's a ruckus of awesomeness, and maybe you know Mario Kart that was expanded would would be that, but we like went way off topic, really too. If we, um, I was gonna bring up Wii U Party, but we probably should kind of skip discussion of that. Um, the only cool thing that the trailer showed was, uh, like two people using the controller at once. Did you guys catch that? Mm-mm. So nope. Like, one of the games that you would do to move forward uh, in Wii U Party is play foosball for a round or something. And one person holds the tablet on one end, and the other person holds the other end, and then that screen is for both of them, and they use the joystick or whatever to, to move. 
And so they're both playing the tablet at the same time, which I think is a pretty ingenious thing to do, considering you have the dual sticks, and maybe that's why they made the sticks in the same location, instead of having, you know, if you were to swap the buttons, the X, X, Y, A, B buttons with the joystick, that would put the other player's joystick kind of in the middle, which would be kind of weird. Um, so, I don't know, I thought that was kind of neat. Yeah, it looked cool. I don't have too much to say about, about no, that. Either. I've never played the first one. No, I'm so. not, it's not something that's on my radar or anything. I just thought that was cool that they're thinking of even more ways that we haven't seen to use the tablet. Mm-hmm. But, uh, the, the next game was much more of a shock than that. It was, uh, the Yarn Yoshi. I don't know. Yarn what, Yoshi. I don't know what it's yep. called, really, or I don't think it has a name yet, but, but yeah, they're... It's, it's kind of insane to me that this exists because right when Kirby came out, everyone started talking about this game, but it, it always seemed to me like one of those things like, you know, Nintendo should make an Oni Link game or something. Like, you know, like it sounds right. cool, but they're not going to ever do it. Uh. And and that, this sounded like that because really when I sit and think about it, I'm like, this is, I mean, what is it even? It's the same art style, so maybe it's going to be the same franchise but it's a different franchise (laughs) yeah who knows if they'll continue to do a string of these Uh, that could be good Uh, or bad depending string (laughs) i I don't know i'm just hoping for depth because and while i admittedly did not play kirby's epic yarn it is pretty much public fact that it's more about like a high score thing and you can't die it's you know and kirby games themselves aren't usually that intricate per se of platformers um i'm hoping i don't like isolate myself from the kirby fans but i just want this to be more like a yoshi's island kind of thing you know but with the yarn aesthetic and i don't know what the hell's happening in this trailer but i just have to say and then you guys can just you know talk it out but yoshi as a crochet 3d character is awesome he looks so good he's my new icon on the boards because it's just so cool Know, yeah, it's, just, it's so weird that like uh, with the release of a second game in this style, that all of a sudden there is a yarn aesthetic, as you as you said. Like, like, can you even believe what we're talking about right now? Like that this has become like conceivably in the future we may talk about certain franchises. Be like, you know, I bet this would really benefit from the yarn aesthetic. <laughs> well, it's kind of like it's like the new cell shading. Yeah, yeah, really. Kinda mm. is. I mean, that's but that's so freaking random when you think about it. It's yarn, you know. But I mean, you. I've seen. I think it was. I think a fan did it. But there was like a cool cutout Mega Man video online, and you know, like the paper cutout thing is its own kind of aesthetic, its own genre. Mm. I mean, that's how South Park started, I believe, right? Yep. So, I mean, this is just yet another thing in that in that yeah. realm. I mean, I'm not that surprised. I guess I'm surprised that it's such a hit or that it looks that good. Mm, yeah. And what's cool, Kirby's Epic Yarn, not HD. This one will be, so the textures, which in this kind of game are really important, uh, should be really high. Uh, I think it could be one of the most beautiful games in a, in a long time, frankly. Mm. Yeah, I think, it certainly should be visually interesting. Like the, the big question to me is really how much of the gameplay is going to have anything to do with Kirby, Kirby Epic Yarn. And I, I enjoyed Kirby Epic Yarn, but I had I had that same complaint, which you don't die, you know, you get you just get set back like exactly where you are. So if you're going for a high score, maybe that's an extra challenge. But to just get through the stages, it's it's kind of like a cakewalk. 
And, you know, me and me and my girlfriend played through like five or six stages and she was getting bored by it. She's not even like a big gamer, but she wants challenge too. Like even as like a non-gamer, it was too easy for right. her. She, she, it was it was like she was like, "What's the point? You know what? What's the, game, the point of this?" Kirby's Epic Yarn is fifteen forty-eight right now. Is the time of recording on Amazon. You can buy it like for eight ninety-nine new from like other sellers and stuff. And and yet that still doesn't isn't cheap enough to grab me just because of like the things you're saying. It, it is fun though. It's very creative. Like the level designs are very creative, and if they're going to maybe make Yoshi a bit tougher, or like get rid of that the whole you can't die part to it, and then make it more Yoshi like, that, that gets me excited because they can make really good stages and really creative ideas. And and Kirby did remind me of Yoshi's Island in a lot of ways, which is why I think everyone started talking about Yoshi is because it has a lot of that same creativity that just stages that have these really cool ideas that you know out of nowhere and that could be the case though what you're saying with like just more of a challenge and more you know actual hits might might matter because in the trailer yoshi is kind of flat single string outline and then uh he eats an enemy and then he becomes the full 3d crochet you know and so hopefully that's kind of works like a like a super mushroom does in mario and maybe Maybe Yoshi can can die. I want Yoshi to die. That's what I want. I want that damn dinosaur to just die. Um, if I could just defend Epic Yarn for a moment, okay. I think that you know, for for some folks like myself, like I usually like to one hundred percent games, and so I think the challenge or the point in that game was getting a hundred percent, and in that game, it was in the form of. Um, what is like at the end of the level, the number of jewels you have is like rated on like gold, silver, bronze, or something like that. Right. So I think the idea was getting gold on every level, and I don't remember if um, I feel like there was some incentive for doing that. Like maybe if it unlocked bonus stages, or maybe it was just like furniture. Who knows? But but for me, that was the that was the point and that was the challenge like yeah you can go through the stage and you can die anytime but then you lose all that progress mm-hmm. and for myself and my wife as we were playing through it like that sucked like that was uh you know that was really like you know we became emotionally invested in like not losing these beads or whatever they were called and i don't know and it became it became really fun when like you know you'd get to the boss at the end of the stage where you're going to get hit, but a lot of the times the beads just kind of fall where you are, kind of like Sonic in his rings. And you can kind of like try to do this mad dash to collect them again and make sure that you have collected them all by the time you actually beat the boss. And I don't know, things like that. Maybe the point and the challenge wasn't as, um, you know, like maybe maybe you needed to sort of invest as the player a little bit more than most games, but... I definitely thought it was there. It's certainly different, but I definitely thought it was there. All right. Maybe I'll have to give it a try then. Yeah, well... It, In the I mean, form of it, Yarn Yoshi. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's definitely not going to be for everyone. I mean, well, it, yeah, I mean, those kind of high-score games and stuff are just not my thing. I just fully admit that. Like, I'm not even going to shit on the game and say it's a bad game or anything because I, I, I'm probably very wrong. Just, it's not right for me, and that's all I... I was saying that's why I haven't, you know, I've said this a billion times. Why me and Wario wear Shake It never really clicked as much as I wanted to. 
Mm-hmm. You know, same kind of thing. I, I'm not interested in the high score so much as well. And like, I didn't even view it as like a high score. I mean, I know it is a number, but I'm pretty sure that there is like a finite number of beads in the level. So it's not like you could, you know, like when I think of high score, it's the kind of game where there's like almost no ceiling. You know, like if you mm-hmm. just play better, you'll get a higher score. But this is more like a collect, like a collectathon. Uh, that's not right either. But um find them all kind of yeah it's like find them all and keep them all you know it's like it's like putting all your eggs in the basket and then managing to carry them across the finish line like that's well see yoshi's eggs just follow behind him <laughs> so it makes yep. it a lot easier um <clears throat> let's move on we still have a lot of big stuff to talk about this is like crazy um what an episode uh I don't have much to say about this next game that, that Nintendo was talking about, but I know Andrew might. And it's Shin Megami Tensei X Fire Emblem, or First Fire yep. Emblem. Just It's this crossover between the two franchises. And uh, in my notes here, um, I pretty much just say, Andrew, why should we be excited? <laughs> Andrew, why should we be excited? <laughs> well, have, have either of you guys played this any of the Shin Megami Tensei games? No, not me. Nope. So okay. I'm, so I'm open to them, but I just haven't yet. I've so I'm the only one. Them. Yeah. The interesting thing to me, though, is now that I've looked into this further. Like, first off, it's a it's a series, but it's not like one series. It's more like an umbrella that that covers a lot of series. So there's like the mainline Shin Megami Tensei games. There's Persona games. There's Devil Survivor, and like they're all their own series that have like loosely related themes, but. They don't all have the same gameplay exactly, and they don't all have the same characters, and they're not all set in the same world necessarily. So, so at first, I didn't even know what to expect when I saw this crossover, and and I do love Shin Megami Tensei games, and I do love Fire Emblem games. So I was like, this is really exciting. But I'm like, what part of Shin Megami Tensei is coming into this? Because my favorite game in that series is Persona Four. And when I looked into this more, it doesn't really look like it's connected to the Persona world. It looks like it's more the mainline world. And I haven't actually played any of the mainline games. I've played Strange Journey on DS, which is sort of one of the mainline games, but not. And my brother could probably tell me if that was a correct thing for me to say, because he's like a huge follower of this series. So... I think I would have maybe been more connected to it if it was like the Persona cast or something. But on the other hand, Persona is like modern day Japan and and Fire Emblem's like feudal times. So that probably wouldn't make sense anyway. But but I think, you know, yeah, they're they're both really good series. I'm sure you guys have some experience with Fire Emblem maybe. A little bit, but it's just never clicked. I keep wanting it to. I feel like I don't have too much more to say other than these are really good franchises. Like, they didn't really show off the gameplay. I'm assuming it's going to be strategy because Fire Emblem is a strategy game and some Shin Megami Tensei games are strategy. So that might make the most sense to have a strategy type game. But really, who knows? Because, you know, other other Shin Megami games are more traditional RPGs. So. Well, what I think... As someone who, I mean, I don't have much to say about the game itself, but what I thought was great is to see that Nintendo really is trying to, and, and they said this in the Nintendo Direct, they're trying to partner with other companies like Atlas, which is how this game is being produced. And obviously, you know, they're, they're collaborating with the Bayonetta team, and they're trying to do this so that way they can have games coming out more often, and they can have interesting games, and they, they, they don't want to have this whole 
thing that they've used to do where Nintendo would be so focused on like XYZ, Mario, Zelda, and this game and this game, and that they'd have these huge gaps. And that was part of the reason they were, you know, apologizing for this month and next month. And uh, that's cool. I think that it's great to, you know, give a little bit of Nintendo's franchise or team members or whatever, kind of loan them to someone else to create something kind of like how they've been working with Retro. And then doing this on a, it sounds like they're doing it on a grander scale so that they can have less holes and they can pump out more uh, interesting games in different franchises. Yeah, it, it sort of surprised me that it was a crossover, and especially these two franchises. But when I really thought about it, I was like, you know, it, maybe it's not so surprising. Like, the Shin Megami Tensei games, one of the main themes that connects all the games is that whoever you are, wherever you are, eventually you find and raise, like, demons to fight for you. And there's usually some pretty dark themes going on because it's not just demons fighting for you. There might be demons taking over the entire world and, like, all this all this crazy stuff with demons. And so at first I was like, this is pretty dark for Nintendo. But then I was like, you know what? Actually, Fire Emblem's kind of dark for Nintendo too sometimes. Like, it often involves demons or some, like, some god, you know, some guy trying to resurrect a dark god or something like that. So I'm like, they could really co- combine these two, and it's probably going to be some kind of dark storyline, but also it will fit. the fact that uh, when you die in Fire Emblem, you die, you know, which is dark in itself for video games. Uh, yeah. Actual that, death. That That's true, too. And, yeah, so I think it's it's probably actually one of the, the darker Nintendo franchises and one of the ones that could work with the whole demon thing because I'm sure... I mean, that is the core of SMT, is, is demon, you know, getting demons on your team and fighting against other demons. And, like, I'm sure there's going to be a big demon theme to this crossover, and so it's probably going to be pretty dark for for Nintendo being in, in, in the game, but... Nintendo is demature, and that's it, it will be It will be pretty mature, I think, uh, Probably not. I mean, Shin Megami games, when I say dark, though, they're not like... I think some of them might be M-rated, actually, but they're not, like, super... I mean, there's still some comedy involved and some lightheartedness a lot of times, too, so I think it will fit for Nintendo. Doesn't uh, the... Just what I've seen from the trailer from Fire Emblem Awakening, it looks like there's, like, demons being summoned from this, like, other dimension or something, and they're pouring in. Is that not the case that that very well could be i i haven't been following and i'm definitely gonna buy the game but i haven't really been following the details on the new fire emblem but yeah there there usually is some kind of you know, a lot of times fire emblem and this this might be given away but giving something away but i don't think this is a big spoiler like a lot of times you're initially just fighting against some like human army or sure. something but then, of course, it turns out they're trying to summon the dark god, right. and all these demons start appearing or whatever. So, yeah, I mean, it's it's. I've not seen the trailer for the Awakening, but that's probably what's going on. Well, hopefully, we'll find out soon. I'm sure that I kind of feel like that's something that's going to be shown at E3, in some degree. I hope so, and it's just it's exciting. Like it to me, it almost had that whole Phoenix Wright latent, and I don't maybe like these. Two series quite as much as I w- I'm excited for Phoenix Wright and Layton. Actually, I do like SMT a lot, but that's more Persona. But 
But I do think it had that whole like shock value to me. Like, wow, two series I really liked that I would have never thought go together are now going to be in the same game. Uh, yeah. And I think that's Nintendo's game plan. You know? Yeah. Um, and, you know, and then that brings us to uh, to the next kind of, I guess, group of games, more or less. Uh, the Zelda series was brought up. And they were first talking about the whole idea of the next Zelda. And obviously they're saying, well, it's, it's a ways away. We have to do some thinking about it. They can't show anything. It's gonna. Be, I think they even said it's going to be a while, quote-unquote. So that's like almost kind of ominous. But they they promise that they want to kind of rethink the conventions of Zelda. You know, back in the very first Zelda, you could do dungeons out of order. That's not really so much the case these days. And, you know, they, they're considering what playing by yourself versus multiplayer Zelda, you know, whether it's like a galaxy thing, I don't know. But they're just re- rethinking these things. And I think they kind of had some steps with Skyward Sword that they maybe never got to, like where they wanted to get to. But, uh, I mean, there's not really much to say right now. I mean, there's a whole other podcast, I guess, what you could say, really, of speculation. But they're, I don't know. I kind of lost my train of thought on that, too, because I want to segue into the next thing, but not without letting you guys talk on, on the Zelda thing. But what do you guys think about, you know, what they what they did say about the, the next big Zelda? Well, well, one of the things, I mean, they mentioned the multiplayer, and that kind of has thrown everyone mm. a curveball. And like, oh, no, is that going to destroy the single player as we know it? And I don't not. think that's going to happen. Yeah, I think multiplayer will probably be more like a, a Mario Galaxy where someone's helping you, but it's not needed, and the, the single player is still going to be really, really good on its own. That's my my guess. I really have no idea. I, I don't even think that they would... Some people have speculated maybe there's going to be, like, Zelda is playable, and maybe she could be controlled by someone else. I don't think they would even do that, you know? Yeah, I, I don't think so. I think it's just going to be like you're going to be... The second player will be like the fairy or something, and you'll be able to help out on the touch screen or something. Right. Like, I don't know. Who and knows? Yet, like a more interactive yet still kind of viewing experience with like your girlfriend or your your brother or something. You know, so a spectator who actually has a little bit of input. But the game probably always will, and perhaps rightfully so, should always kind of be you are focused on the main character Link's story, and it should be an intimate you know one player versus the lead kind of relationship. Mm. I think it'd be kind of crazy to start having multiplayer like split screen or someone out. Then again, you know, maybe they're thinking someone's on the game pad and someone's with motion plus, you know, mm. that we did see that in Nintendo land. So maybe they're considering that. It could I have be. no idea. <laughs> I, I don't think whatever they do, I don't think it's going to take away from the single player. Like if people just want to play it through yeah. single player, I think it's going to be fine. Right. It would be an add on. If anything, they, they would work it out as such. Yeah. If I were to guess, if I were to put money, I would probably say it's just going to be like the co-star mode in galaxy where, mm-hmm. you know, yeah, they'll just be controlling a fairy and helping out and whatever. But it is kind of fun to think about, you know, what it potentially could, could be. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, I think what what would be like a great idea to one person would be a bad idea you know, to another. Yeah. So then you know, because like it would, in my opinion, it would be kind of neat if somehow you could like, yeah, you know, if someone was had like a different character on the gamepad, and you could be like, oh, like could you go farm rupees while I, you know, investigate this cave or something like that? But that'll never happen. So. Well, yeah, and that kind of and then changes that the dynamic of the game itself. So. Yeah. 
I don't. They would probably do something that kind of idea elsewhere. I feel. I don't know. But, you know, it's going to take a long time to figure this out, to find out, because the game will not release for probably years to come. And so Nintendo did something uh, very, very surprising to hold us over, more or less, to throw us a bone. They are releasing a Wind Waker 3D, or not 3D, uh, Wind Waker HD. Mm-hmm. And did you guys ever expect that was actually going to ever happen? Nope. Not really. <laughs> Certainly not in this sense, where it seems like they actually, like, you know, where it really is more of a remake instead of a... Yeah, it's a, not just an up-res. Up-res, yeah. It wasn't clear for me when I saw just the screens before I saw the Nintendo Direct, but it definitely was... I mean, they even, they even state that they're remodeling things. Like, they're re, they are redoing it, more or less. Yeah. They're going into the DNA, and, and, and they actually wanted to, I guess, fix some things, too. Huh. Did you guys hear that? Yeah. I, it wasn't very clear if they meant, like actual gameplay, slow gameplay yeah. parts or stuff. Well, some people are saying they want you know the ocean to be smaller and stuff like that. I don't know if they're going to go that far to compress I, space. I doubt, I doubt that. I think maybe more just like you know, getting rid of some of the complicated things you have to go through just to change the wind or something like that. You know? Right. Oh, yeah, because mm. that was kind of a pain. Mm. But, or uh, they, might, they might just make it so you could traverse the water faster or find... Uh, treasures more quickly, more easily, something like that. Well, one thing we probably can assume is that whatever happens, we're not going to be like using the gamepad as a window or anything, because there's gonna the game's going to have game gamepad off TV play, kind of like Mario currently does. So presumably, you won't actually use that for. Uh, well, I guess maybe you could when you're in your main mode, but you're not going to use it for checking your your satchel for. Uh, different items and that sort of thing mm. and i don't know it's gonna have me versus functionality which is kind of cool i mean obviously that's kind of an integral thing for all their games now i don't know how much it's going to cost i'm torn because i on the one hand 60 dollars is probably what they want to charge but can they realistically do that i'm not sure when the original game was only 50 dollars, you know what i mean and there's not that much to do it, it might depend on how extensive this is. Like, some people, and I don't think this is going to happen at all, but some people are wondering if they're going to take those dungeons that were cut and, like, go and, and add them back in because there were, like, two dungeons that were, like, yeah. almost finished but not quite ready that got cut from Wind Waker or something like that. And I don't I, think that's going to happen. But, but I if sure they were, so. Well, if they did something like that, though, where there's a lot more gameplay and, all mm. you know, all this better graphics and everything and things are cleaner and stuff, then I think... You can kind of justify a full price. I mean, that's like what Resident Evil did on GameCube, right? Mm-hmm. It, it was added new stuff and you know better graphics and everything, and then it, it justified its price tag. Yeah, I mean, true. For this, you know, we'll we'll find out soon because they promised it was coming in the fall, which is also another surprise. I can't say that I'm actually that excited about that. Wind Waker, I enjoyed, but. I don't, I don't think I want to play it again. <laughs> I, I remember I was the first guy to be... I was at GameStop at like 10 p.m. They were having like an early early evening release uh, the night before. And right, like right when the shipment got to the GameStop, they were going to be able to, to uh, crack them open and sell them to us. And I skipped school. or No, no, I didn't skip school. I wanted to. But I was in high school, and I remember going home with that game and playing to like 1 in the morning and then having to you know get up for school the next day. But... I do have a, a really fond memory of that game, and I think the HD is going to be enough to get me to put the money back into it. 
But as a, as a fan, I would feel much more like I appreciate the gesture as a whole if they were actually to do, you know, throw in some more, like maybe the, not necessarily even the dungeons, but just do more than just the graphical change. Yeah. I think E3 will explain it all to us. You know, uh, Wind Waker is one of the few just games in general, let alone Zelda games, that I have never finished. So, that I've started. I've, there's plenty of games I've never finished, but that I've started and then didn't finish. So, this could be like a really good, you know, it's kind of like second chance for me with this game. And the same for my girlfriend, because she borrowed a copy of this from a coworker a while ago, actually. But she's got so many games in her backlog that she just, you know, hasn't touched it. She hasn't finished Skyward Sword or anything either. And I've been kind of, you know, politely harassing her to uh, play some Wind Waker too. But I'm now I'm telling her, hey, wait and just play this on my Wii U, unless she gets her own uh, before then. But I think it'll be once it's out, it'll probably be the definitive way to play. I mean, it looks ah, just from a graphical standpoint, it does look beautiful. Just the they're changing the architecture slightly too to to match everything. It's not just like a Right. Like a uh, up-res, which is probably what we all wanted in the first place, was just a simple up-res, but they're redoing the, you know, the the uh, the structures, the the textures, they're redoing everything. Yeah, I, um, I'm actually more excited about, about this aspect of it, because <clears throat> as much as, like, a, some people, rightfully so, are kind of like, well, they kind of got rid of the cell shading, you know? Like, it doesn't really have the same look that made the original Wind Waker so distinctive and, and that's really what people I think if you liked that game, if you loved that game, you did it because of the visual, you know? And they did kind of get rid of that. Or not maybe get rid of it, but they it, they certainly changed it. It's very Well it looks it more look like Skyward flat. Sword, kind yeah. of which may or may not be good to some people, right. but But I will say for me, like I personally never really liked the um like the character models, uh, the way that the characters were designed in the in that game and i feel like even like phantom hourglass and spirit tracks they sort of evolved a little bit they changed just slightly uh in a way that was much more appealing to me and i think this version of wind waker reflects that change and i so i'm very excited about that i'm glad he doesn't just look like a little square with a football on his head you know yeah, as, i mean I guess I understand what they're saying. I'm looking at some screens right now. I, I get what people are saying that it kind of does change the cell shading to a point, but I think it what they're what they're just not used to is cell shading looks so flat, which yeah. is part of its appeal and part of its design. But this is cell shading with some actual uh, just texture. texture, yeah, with some texture and some oomph to it. And frankly, I think that I think when we play it, it'll it'll all make sense. That we'll all be happy with it. Yep. So it should be cool. I uh, and I mean, I for the first Wind Waker, I think I got to there was maybe like two or three dungeons left, and for whatever reason, I was just like, you know what, I'm done with this game. So, well, uh, I guess we can move on to the last game then, because there was Let's one more do- thing mentioned, and it was a trailer, which frankly, I mean, this podcast is long enough, so I was I was gonna suggest we just play the music like and then start talking, but we won't worry about it. The music was just so damn good in the trailer. But we have a game. It looks a lot like Xenoblade. It's from the team who built Xenoblade. And there's a giant X at the end of the game. Or the trailer. With what presumably looks like Shulk. So, you guys... Is it pretty much common knowledge this is a sequel? I don't know. I, I'm seeing a lot of different opinions or, as far as whether or not it's a 
sequel or just a, uh, you know, kind of more like the Final Fantasy route where there were many different games, but they had nothing to do with each other, like that kind of thing? Honestly, I mean, I haven't beaten Xenoblade, so I don't know how the game concludes, but maybe that is actually the better route to go. I would, yes, I would agree with that. It, it, it did kind of look like Soap, but then there's also this talk about multiplayer or something, like... It sounds like it's a similar but different game. It just doesn't sound like a straight sequel to me. Like not like every sequel has to be that straightforward, but like it sounds like it's a they're doing something different. Well, I feel like those mechs are gonna have a lot more involvement in the gameplay and game game style. Mm-hmm. So that alone might be one of the key elements that separates it. Yeah, I, th- I think. I saw a couple, like, the mechs is a big difference, and that's really, I don't know if you guys have played their past Xeno games, but that's really something that they do a lot. So they made all these Xeno games. I don't know how many you've played. They made the Xeno Saga series, and then they made Xeno Gears a long time ago, and they're not connected really in any way other than the name and some, the Xeno name and some basic themes. But in the in the old games, you actually could get into mechs and, like, fight in your mechs or... You know, outside of your mechs, you fight in a little different style. So it looks like that made it into this. It looks like there's shooting attacks now. Like I saw a guy running around with like a gun of some sort and shooting enemies right. with it. And one thing I think I noticed, although maybe you guys would have to watch or maybe you noticed, is it seems like you could target specific parts of enemies now. Oh, I didn't catch that. It uh, it did. I didn't see like targets change, so I'm not sure. But it looked like. Instead of just being right in the center of enemies, it would be like on some specific part of an enemy, and it looked like very targeted. Oh, I could cool. be wrong. I mean, there's that giant wrong. Loch Ness monster type thing in the trailer, which blew me away for one. But if yeah, I could, seriously. like, you know, work on attacking its leg so that way it falls on its ass, and then I can go for its head or whatever, like that, just deepens the gameplay even more. Yeah, I think everything I, I saw is cool. <laughs> That's yeah, mm-hmm. honestly, and. I just have to say, it's like I, I have nothing else to do right now in this segment than gush because this game looks so badass to me, and I think I, I'm so much in love with Xenoblade Chronicles in general. But out of all the games announced or mentioned in this Nintendo Direct, surprisingly to me, this is my most exciting one. More than more than the next Zelda, more than Mario Kart coming soon, more than Wind Waker HD. This game looks so beautiful, and I think it's partially due to the trailer and how it was crafted. I mean, I come from mm. a background of, of video editing, for one, and just the, the, the to the font of the titles, to the music choice, to the, you know, segments of the game that they chose to showcase. It's such a beautifully crafted trailer that that alone just gets me so hyped, and I hope to God this comes out this year, <laughs> just because I need to play it as soon as possible. Japan this year, maybe, I, I think next year maybe for us. But yeah, as long as it's in like first quarter next year, okay. Well, with hopefully it, we don't have to fight for like three years to get it. But well, I don't think that, and I don't know who made this comment originally, but because it was in the Nintendo Direct for North America, I don't suspect that to be the case at all. Yeah, they're distinctively, you know, distinctly serving it to us, you know, North Americans. Admittedly, like my first response was like. I'm not ready for this because it, I bought Xenoblade like six months ago. And I'm still only halfway through it, I think. And it's it's been 50 hours. And I'm like, I'm going to be done with this maybe by the end of the year. Uh, hopefully before that. But, you know, it's 
it's just well, such an intensive game that I'm like, I don't know if I'm ready for a sequel. And so I wasn't even that excited at first, but then like once I, it, it like dawned on me that like actually this probably won't even be here for like a year or so. So I'll be done and have finished and have time to like relax in between right. games. Then then I start getting excited and just seeing all the new stuff and. I don't know. I I mean, I wish they would release a soundtrack ahead of time or something. I'm like still jonesing over that. Yeah. For the first Xenoblade, you mean? Well, for this this game, I'm saying that just that one trailer in the oh, song. I cannot to, wait to hear the you. music in this game. <laughs> I don't have any sort of special setup, but I mean, then the Wii U emits like better sound now, doesn't it? Yeah. Probably. <laughs> I mean, it's sad, but uh, I'm not a audiophile, so. I don't uh, have any special equipment. I've always just used whatever, you know, stereo speakers my TV will output. Yep. But I don't know. I can't. I can't wait for this game. This game definitely is like the highlight of the whole show. Yeah, and it's Absolutely. just. I mean, I guess after the the first one made it over here, maybe it's it's obvious that any type of sequel would. But I'm just glad that it seems to be a sure thing. It's not like okay, we tried that test, but now we're gonna sit on this one again or. I guess the only question now is, will this be only sold at GameStop? <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, I, I think this has more mass potential than that. Uh, especially because now they're marketing appropriately. You know, they're not just, it's not an afterthought. This is something they're pushing. So this will probably come out on a mass scale, Amazon, Target, you know, Best Buy, GameStop, everything. Yeah. So that's good. And, and maybe that'll just continue to grow the series. Maybe the series, because the original Xeno games were on, like, what, the PlayStation? Uh... The, uh... Yeah, Xeno Gears was on PlayStation One, and then Xeno mm-hmm. Saga was three games on PlayStation Two. So the fact that you know Xenoblade Chronicles came out on Wii and Wii only, and this game's coming out for Wii U, that's kind of cool that that shifted over here. You know, yeah, Again, well, I think Nintendo's trying really effing hard. But to... Nintendo owns them now. Oh, they, Mon- oh, they do. Monolith Soft. Nintendo bought party? them. Yeah. Nintendo bought them out a while ago. Oh, that's so... comforting. There's, like, no way their games are going anywhere else. But it's still cool that, like, this great series from another console kind of found its way over here, and then Nintendo snatched them up, because I think Nintendo's trying hard to get quality stuff under their under their umbrella. Yeah. And they, they're, they're no longer trying to do it all alone, which was the, yeah, exactly. the big issue years ago. Yeah. Although it's really... I, I don't know if I consider this the same series. It's, it's really only... Zeno is in the name, and like there's some some vaguely similar themes, but this game is so much different than the, the Zeno Saga games. Sure. And I haven't played Zeno Gears yet. I own it, but I haven't actually played it. But Zeno Saga and Gears seem a bit more similar. Zeno Blade is like a lot different. And even so. if this game wasn't anything like Zeno Blade, I mean, obviously it is. You can see that the. Uh the attack mechanics are very similarly designed. They're just more maybe square than circles these days. But even if they were different, just to have the same team who made Xenoblade Chronicles working on this, and, and just those little snippets of how great this game looks and seems to play and how smooth it already seems to be going, um, I yeah, I don't even care. I think I, I just trust Monolith Soft to do a good job. Yep. Yep. Agreed. All right, so any any last comments, Joe? <laughs> you know, I wouldn't be no last comment, Joe, if I had. Uh, no. Nope. Very excited. All right. Well, unless you guys have anything else to say, we probably should wrap this up. Um, not even for our listeners' sake, but I think David is probably like falling asleep at the editing table right now. Probably. Um, 
this is a long, long podcast, and I'm not sl- splitting this up. If you if you're listening to this right now, you've made it this far, and congratulations. So uh, I did before I close this out. I did want to say uh, that our two year anniversary is January 30th, which is probably based on how long this episode is and stuff. It's probably going to be already have passed by the time you hear this. But uh, it is our you know we've been here for two years now. And, you know, it's changed and it's gone through a bit of an evolution over the, the course of these two years. But it's pretty cool that Negative World in general has been pumping out podcasts and audio content for that long. And um, so I just wanted to thank, you know, everyone who's ever been involved, everyone currently involved, anyone who listens, anyone who did listen, although why the hell did you stop, anyone who will listen in the future, because um, I'm, I'm assuming everyone you know, who listens to episode 60 is going to go back and make sure they, they hear episode 43 as well. Oh, yeah. Yeah. But seriously, I mean, we do this just for our love of the game, so to speak. And uh, and so, we, you know, every every listening ear is is the reason we do it. So so I just want to thank everybody. Yes. Well, thank you, Stephen. Oh, well, I mean, well, thank yourselves. I mean, I'm not talking about myself specifically even. But uh, although we do have to give thanks to Andrew for hosting this stuff. You're the, that is true. You're the man with the bandwidth. <laughs> that that is true. <laughs> and uh, and the name and uh, the URL and all that stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. And and the massive amounts of work that I don't think people actually realize goes into to working on this site. But yeah, well, yeah, you're always improving it. That's true. Except for that one time you didn't improve it, you actually made it shittier. But that's true. No, I'm just I'm just kidding. <laughs> I guess that wraps up another episode of the Negative World Podcast. We'd like you to comment on what you've heard. Criticize if you really feel like you have to. Comment, you know, gush. Uh, you can do all this at negativeworld.org. That's the URL, and you just got to find the thread associated to the episode. And if you don't want to subscribe to Negative World for some crazy reason, you can reach us through the Facebook page. You just got to search for negativeworld.org. Or you can follow us through Twitter at negative underscore world. And, uh, you know, if you're listening to the MP3 version of this, you can also subscribe to the Enhanced Podcast, which you might want to, starting with this one, because I'm going to have chapters breaking it all down, and uh, it might be a beast in MP3 form. So, but, uh, but thanks, Joe and Andrew, for doing this with me and sitting here for this afternoon. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, sir. I hope, I hope the weather in your respective areas has not been nice, so that way you don't feel like you wasted your time here. That's <laughs> eh, cool. It's been cold and cloudy by me, so... Mm. But anyway, it's pretty similar. Yeah. Well, uh, you know, if you're out there listening, you know, join us on the podcast sometime. Yep. Until next time. We'll see you. See ya. Later. Talking about games, talking about games, that's Steven and Joe. That works. All done. That's something I'd I'd hear from Conan O'Brien or something. (laughs) Yeah.